gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Ringside Rundown Podcast. My name is Eric Vasquez, and joining me on the line is my podcasting partner in crime. Yes, that rhymes. She is Shay Hickson. Shay, what's going on, my friend? What is going on? Two two Wednesdays in a row. This is... <laughs> it's new. It's interesting. But we're here. We're here. We're making it happen. You know, we, we try to do our best to always get some fresh new content we the thing is we built up such a loyal uh listener base and such a community that people are like uh when's the next episode going to drop what's going on (laughs) yeah Uh, you know so of course we have to we have to uh, abide by the people and uh as excalibur would like to say you got to give the people what they want of course (laughs) so how has your week been since we last chatted oh you know it hasn't been too terribly bad uh I was, while I went to the dentist last week, that wasn't fun. Um, Never fun. No, especially when you're used to getting one filling at a time. I was, I apparently decided, no, we need to have four at the same time. So, uh, oh, nice. Yeah, it's great. I have four bionic teeth now. It's great. It's a great time, (laughs) but uh, that's never fun. But yeah, no, other than that, it's been a pretty decent week so far. I can't complain. How about you? Uh, you know it's just been one of those weeks you know the time is kind of flying by we're already in july which is crazy Um, oh yeah it's like you know and it's just been it's been kind of weird like the weather's not as warm for it to be summer so you're kind of waiting to go outside and you know touch grass as a kid (laughs) yeah you know we're here Um, we're doing the thing you, know, you get so, the um to get the smoke coming in from the Canada wildfires? No, we got that we got that uh a couple weeks ago um when it hit like New York and everything. That's when we got like the residual effect of that. I haven't seen anything. I haven't really looked outside, but I know like there's a couple places, you know, up uh, up north that are the air quality is like super bad. So if yeah. you're in those areas, please stay away and be safe. Yeah, we're one of those, unfortunately. The, the smoke decided to hit here today, so it was uh, it was definitely interesting. Luckily, I've only I was only out of the house for like a total of maybe ten minutes walking to and from the dentist, so it wasn't. It was definitely different. It had that like hazy look to it, but definitely the smell was uh, it was odd. I can't really even describe what it smelled like. It was just like not normal air, but uh, yeah, it it'll hopefully be fine just everyone stay safe and please if you have to go outside don't uh don't be outside for too long because the air quality is not the best clearly it's like it's it's that meme of the dog in the in the room where everything's all like, fine. This, like, this, this is fine yeah this yeah, is fine honestly uh, <laughs> but uh for those that are new here that are checking out the show for the first time first off thank you very much we appreciate it and what this is is a professional wrestling podcast uh, what we like to do is open up the floodgates to our listeners and have them submit questions for us to answer. And we use those questions to kind of banter back and forth about what's been going on in the world of professional wrestling. This show today is going to be a little bit different because we have to talk about AEW having Forbidden Door uh, this past Sunday. And then this coming Saturday, WWE is having Money in the Bank at the uh, uh, O2 Arena in London. England, so that's going to be a lot of fun. So, as we like to say, this is going to be a big, beefy, chunky episode. <laughs> gotta uh, say, chunky. Gotta say, chunky. So, uh, if you're listening, thank you. 
grab some snacks, grab a drink, get comfortable. And if you like professional wrestling banter, that's what we're here to do for you today. Um, so first off, let's get right into it. Why don't we talk about AEW Forbidden Door before we get into the the card and everything that went down? Just generally, what what do you think of the show? I thought it was a pretty solid show. I mean, it there was definitely room for improvement coming from uh, Double or Nothing. We uh, have talked about in previous episodes. It was not terrible, but it was definitely, I think, a bit of a letdown overall. So they had a they had some work to do, and my goodness, did they uh, did they rise to the occasion? Because overall, this is, like pay per view was just so good it, from start to yeah. finish. There was really not a bad match. Um, yeah, I, I we could go on and on about it, but it's uh, it was really good. The one thing that I'm learning about AEW and, and Tony Khan in particular when it comes to his booking decisions is that um, he he has learned to recognize when something is amiss and mm. he's able to pivot and kind of figure out ways to at least deliver some great episodes of uh, of Dynamite and a, and a pretty decent show in uh, Forbidden Door. So he's he's he, you can see he's actually learning and he's not being stubborn. He's actually willing to admit sort of subtly that you know maybe you know like we said Double or Nothing wasn't the best of shows. Um, but they were able to recover with Forbidden Door, and the lead up to Forbidden Door was fantastic. Um, so, um, like we said, it was it's a it's a pretty big card, a lot of matches, a lot of interesting turn turnabouts and things that went down on the show. So, might as well get right into it. First match of the night was a singles match for the AEW World Championship, where MJF, the champion, uh, defended the title against the ace of New Japan Pro Wrestling, Hiroshi Tanahashi. Now, this match was very interesting. Um, it was a match that, like, I knew going into it was going to be a test for MJF, and yeah. I knew he was going to have to uh, do something different in terms of his ring work, and he definitely had to work in this match. Not so much ring-wise, but he, he did a lot of posing, posturing uh bantering to the fans and things of that nature and i think it honestly was to cover up the fact that tanahashi you know he's he's getting up there in age the knees um, the knees i listen i i love tanahashi i have all the respect in the world for hiroshi tanahashi specifically for what he did for new japan along with others like Okada and Nakamura, when they were in the downtime, they were like, we're going to put the company on our back and we're going to get uh, get out of the darkness, let's, so, to, so to speak. So um, he's definitely a legend, but man, it was, it, was, it was tough to watch him in that state just when he was just like running the ropes, you know? Yeah. He, he was trying to be quick, but it kind of just looked like he was forcing himself to walk at a, at a speed, like he was power walking almost. Yeah, it did seem very off. Yeah, it was just uh like you said his his knees and his, his back in particular I know are in bad shape and mm -hmm. um what I read and th this I read years ago was Tanahashi uh backstage looks like he's in immense amount of pain. Yeah. When that when he has to go through the curtain it is almost like that pain 
dissipates, you know, mm -hmm. and and you think about that and you're like, wow. And this is during the time where he was having those performances against the likes of Okada. You know, he was having those long matches, those long marathon matches where they were just beating the holy hell out of each other. Um, you know, all for the sake of entertainment, for the fans' entertainment. Yeah. Uh, so, it, but again, it's just like, it's painful to watch, but as a fan who has so much respect for Tanahashi, like, how do you, how, how does New Japan approach that situation and, and tell him, you know, maybe it's time to, to calm it down, at least give yourself a couple months off or something like that, and then maybe we can talk about how to put this thing into the sunset. Uh, because, again, like, it, it's just... And, and, and I know I read a couple uh, reports from, like, the Japanese media talking to the fans in, in Japan and how they received the match. And even they were like, you know, that was kind of painful to watch to see Tanahashi in that state. Uh, yeah. yeah, that was the big takeaway from the match. The match, again, it was pretty basic. MJF had to do a lot of the, the work. And, again, he was doing the posturing to the fans. And he ended up winning uh, by hitting Tanahashi in the head with the dynamite diamond ring. Um, you know, and like, like yeah. you said, it, it, it was a pretty, it was a pretty basic match. It wasn't offensive, but you could tell there were some offs and it was just like the chemistry wasn't there. Yeah. It was just, you could tell. And the worst part is, is that as you're saying like, Oh, Tanahashi backstage always looks like he's in immense pain. And then as soon as like, you know, the curtain, like he goes through the curtain, everything's fine. It sounds just so vaguely familiar. Cause we hear that all the time. Yeah. And yeah, that's the pressure of, you know, being the ace of new Japan, putting the company on your back. I mean, kind of look at John Moxley for a while when he was the ace of AEW, it was kind of the same, but yeah, I I didn't really know about Tanahashi's like injury or like just health problems until like I saw you talking about it on Twitter. But then once I I saw that, I'm like, you know what? That actually does make sense because, like I had mentioned earlier, it was almost just it just seemed so off that I'm like, what is going on? Because this is supposed to be so much better than it actually is. I don't know what's happening here. Right. And then that and then that explained it. So I'm like, yeah, this is um this is fine i guess this is you know it's whatever passable. but yeah it was passable it wasn't like as i always try to say horrifically offensively bad but it also wasn't great either so we'll take it i guess <laughs> it was just serviceable um yeah, yeah we'll go with that it was serviceable it wasn't like oh god this is how the show is gonna start up boy we're in trouble now it was, it was fine it could have been a yeah. lot worse but yeah definitely could have been better commentary tried to do their best to kind of cover it up and saying oh the the turnbuckles are so much different in new japan where he, it's having a hard time uh, getting his feet planted for the, from the top rope and it's like mm, not really like you know like, yeah nah. you know not really it's just it's just one of those things it was it was hard to watch so um hopefully uh tanahashi can get better and uh maybe have a nice send-off uh into the sunset where he much uh deserves that uh, the next match on the card was a men's Owen Hart Cup uh, tournament first round match between CM Punk and Satoshi Kojima. Oh boy! And uh, oh. let me just say, I'll, I'll give you the floor, but I, I sneakily kind of love this match. 
Oh, I liked it too. Don't worry. That wasn't like a that wasn't a laugh because oh, this is such a bad bad. I was just laughing because punk <laughs> punk and Canada do not get along at all. They oh my God. hate his guts. It is like Shawn Michaels uh, in '97 <sighs> going to Canada. Yeah, I think Sean's off the hook now because Punk took that title. Good lord, my god, that was, who that was crazy. It was so funny though because it's like it was so loud, but you could still hear people singing "Cult of Personality." So it's like, are you just booing just to be like edgy with the crowd, but right. you're secretly being like, oh yeah, no, he sucks. And let me just sing the song real quick so no one notices. Um, yeah, no, the match itself was pretty decent. I mean, we all knew who was winning. Like, yeah, that was one of those where it's like even on paper, we're like, okay, yeah, that's very obvious who's gonna win um is it sad that the one thing i, f- I remember from that match was uh when he, when he was hitting the lariat in the corner oh my god i was just Kajiba. yeah i was just gonna mention that that was my favorite part of the match oh it's like what is going on like it's yeah, just it was when he busted out that you know lariat lariat uh-huh. kojima Koj- i i lost it i was just cracking up because <laughs> it was insane. just like this guy clearly is just like i'm gonna do whatever the hell i want and nobody's gonna stop me no it, it was i i was dying when he busted that out and and then kojima hits the elbow drop and completely just obliterates CM punk <laughs> below the belt <laughs> yeah i know i'm like oh as soon as he as he's fallen i'm like oh shit that's not going where it's supposed to go oh no <laughs> it was oh. so bad it was so bad that commentary had to mention it like oh, yeah. kojima, kojima just literally bombed the hell out of cm punk's testicles uh, it was just... <laughs> i don't think they exist anymore they're just gone yeah, he's, he's definitely it's gonna be a while before he has kids because it was that bad yeah. He's still got Larry, so he'll be fine. Yeah. Jesus. He's he's subtly leaning into the heelish tendencies. Yeah. Yeah. But he's not really going full heel just yet. I think that might happen down the road. He's just kind of like leaning into it. And again, the vibe that I'm getting is I'm I I don't give a shit. Like I, I no. I'm gonna do what I want to do. Like I'm wrestling Satoshi Kojima in this tournament. Like you know, it don't get no better than that. You know. Yeah. So he's just and and the thing is like I'm not saying his wrestling is great. It's it's basically on par for what we know. Probably better than his his initial first run with AEW. He just seems like he's a, a step quicker. There, there's, you know, he's his movement has a little bit of snap to it, and again, like he's leaning into the the subtle heel thing. I mean, doing things like taking uh, Hiroshi Tenzan, who is uh, mm-hmm. Kojima's tag team partner, he busted out the Mongolian chops that belonged to Tenzan, you know, and mm-hmm. he's just kind of his mannerisms. But then at the end of the match, after he wins, he he puts over Kojima, you know, as a sign of respect and yeah. and and gives him the ring. So like he's just kind of I feel like it's it's gonna get there eventually. They're just kind of tiptoeing to it to kind of see if they can still generate the, that buzz with him, you know. Which is obviously when it comes to the internet discourse in wrestling, that's the big thing. Can CM Punk still move the needle? Can he still sell 
tickets mm-hmm. outside of Chicago. Well, we'll never know because they're going back to Chicago eventually. <laughs> yeah, three times actually. Um, oh my lord, that's a that's a whole other mess in and of itself. But I, the the way he was handling like all the booze this last like week or so kind of reminded me of like a more cocky like John Cena back in the day where yeah, it was kind of like what you said. All right, I'm just gonna go, you know, do my job. I really don't care if you cheer for me or boo me, but I'm just gonna do it. So. Except I think we all know at some point he is going to turn heel. That's just the whole thing. It's not like Cena where it's like, we want you to turn heel. And he's like, no, Punk's going to do it. It's just a matter of when. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not going to be like a, like a Cody Rhodes situation. (laughs) The only reason they wanted him to turn heel is they were just desperate for, for something new out of him. (laughs) You know, Um, like, like we said, CM Punk can always kind of, skirt that line mm-hmm. and and still be interesting um yes you know so i'm more interested i want to see what matches they're going to put him up against besides this tournament um you know how he's going to fit into the mix uh more singles matches you know maybe surprise people and have him on a dynamite show again the idea that he can't rectify the situation with the elite for for legal purposes is just fucking bananas to me especially when you have someone like eddie kingston uh who genuinely hates uh claudio (laughs) castle yeah he genuinely hates that man not only that he genuinely hates chris harrow who was just hired by AEW and is working in some sort of backstage capacity but he's willing to work with these people he's willing to get in the ring with them and make some money so the idea that that to me, is still baffling. That it's they like that be- hasn't happened before in AEW. Britain Thunder Rosa, yeah. Eddie and Sammy. I mean, they kind of buried the hatchet there, but still, just like, come on. <laughs> it's a, it seems like it's a little too convenient of an excuse to go, oh, well, we just can't because of legal reasons. It's like, no, I feel like somebody, some side or the other, just doesn't want to. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. guys, come on. We, we know what's really going on here, but sure, legal reasons. Okay, sure. <laughs> Whatever. I mean, maybe building milking it so that way when it happens it's at a fever pitch but i'm like you know the discourse is you guys aren't moving the ratings you ain't selling tickets and i can't say that that's true or false because i mean you look at the attendance for forbidden door the way it looked on camera was that the the building was pretty full yeah it was better than double or nothing but i think that also had to do with the holiday maybe um who knows Uh, yeah very good point like you know like we said on that show when we were reviewing double or nothing the they were in a tourist area on a on a national holiday weekend yes you know so that kind of played different so i think the forbidden door from like what i saw on tv which probably matters a lot the way it translated on tv was that that building was packed and the fans were enthusiastic i mean there mm-hmm. were there were a lot of matches on the card uh so it was understandable if they got a little winded towards the end but yeah. still everything kind of kind of flowed together nicely the cm punk satoshi kojima match wasn't anything you know outstanding or it was a basic match but it was it was very entertaining yeah exactly it was it was it was kind of i still a step up from mjf and tanahashi it was still good oh, yeah. it was just like all right there's more there's better stuff lying ahead but it wasn't like oh the crowd's so into it that it made it a better match than it actually was it was like no it was the crowd was appropriately reacting to that one well maybe not because it was punk <laughs> but um <laughs> jesus um yeah no it was still a decent match the right guy won because 
why else would it be mm-hmm. anyone not named CM Punk in that bracket? But uh, yeah, yeah, I'd say it was pretty decent. Yeah, and that sets up. I don't, I can't remember how the brackets are set up, but I know mm-hmm. Samoa Joe and Roderick Strong are, look it up. are going to go after each other. They have a match. I believe they advertised it for collision if i'm not mistaken um, live google searching as we speak um, <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll talk to phil in some time here uh but uh for me it's just like we can either get a possibility of cm punk samoa joe singles match or we can get Roderick strong versus cm punk. okay here we go um oh yeah the, the the bracket will shake up that if um, whoever wins out of Samoa Joe and Roderick Strong is going against CM Punk. Look at that. So you either get CM Punk versus Samoa Joe, which is a, a revival of their feud that they culminated in ROH, or you get Roderick Strong versus mm-hmm. CM Punk. You know, Mr. ROH versus CM Punk, the guy who, you know, was probably, you want to talk about pillars. You oh, know, yeah. You would th- think is a pillar of the early days of Ring of Honor. So, yeah. Uh, we also, speaking of the tournament, though, we also have to talk about the um, women's side for a second because I know it a little too well. But um, Athena advanced over Billy Starks yes. during there. It was on, I think it was on the kickoff show, the pre- though. But yeah, it was on the pre-show. I did, I did watch, and because obviously I did too. I'm a fan, I'm a fan of Billy Starks, so I wanted to see uh, her performance against. They're Athena, pretty good. Yeah, she held her own. I mean, Athena, like I said on Twitter, put her through the blender. Like there were yeah. some spots. There were some spots where it was like, damn, Athena, like <laughs> slow down on the kid. You felt you felt that. Yeah. Really However, kid. though, this is a very interesting setup they have though for this next match with Athena because they made a point when she was coming down to say that she was on what a forty-two-ish, forty-one, forty-two, forty-three match win streak. Mm-hmm. Now you have to go against Willa Nightingale. So, this can go one of two ways, and I'm not entirely sure it's a good... It's not going to turn out well for the loser, let's put it that way, because you have Athena. If she loses, the streak's over. I mean, granted, she's still going to be good because it's Athena, but now the losing streak, or now the winning streak's snapped. But you also can't have Willow losing either, because Willow is on a tear right now. They're both on a tear, Mm-hmm. And I hate when they champions. and I hate when they do this because you don't want two people that are on a tear to face each other because you know something like this is going to happen and it's just not going to end well for somebody. Mm-hmm. But I, ugh, I don't know. I would. Uh, we have a question about one of the other matches that you and I've talked about <laughs> already that I'm very upset about, but um. <laughs> I don't want to get too much into that side of the bracket, but the other side of the bracket is I just see Willow going to the finals just because storyline reasons, which kind of already kind of sort of makes you predict who's going to win on the other side of the bracket. And I almost don't want to say it yet, but we'll save it for later. But um, the Athena Billy Starks match was pretty good. It still like blows my mind. This kid's only 18 and just graduated high school and valedictorian too. So it's like, what is happening? Yeah, and like uh, like you said last week, I think one of the, you know, things that she had with her parents was like, you're not going to miss school. Yeah. So if you want to do this, you got to figure out how to make it work. So this girl was <sighs> literally taking flights to and from indie bookings. Literally, she's one of the hottest commodities on the independent circuit. Oh, yeah. So she, so she was booked every weekend. Mm-hmm. So she's taking flights to and from these bookings, landing 
not even getting an ounce of sleep, going straight from the airport to school. No, thank you. And that's insane. So, like, and the thing is, now that's over, she can capitalize on her indie run, and you know AEW is going to scoop her up. I think that was already. Yeah, there were already rumblings before, um, and they even did this with Nick Wayne, another hot commodity on the independent circuit who literally just graduated high school, who's (sighs) been wrestling for two years now on the independent circuit, and he just graduated high school. And he's technically already signed AEW. He just had like the juniors contract or something. Yeah, he's got his contract with AEW. He's doing a tour of, of Japan right now, and I think once he comes back, his first match is against uh, Swerve. Oh, I'm excited and, for that one because they yeah, got some they history. Have, yeah, they have some history, and and the kid is good. So oh, yeah. the future is bright. But uh, you know the way this tournament is set up, it's short, but there's a lot of compelling stories uh, for both the men and the women. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, as much as <laughs> as much as certain ones pain me. Um, mm-hmm. It's uh yeah, it's a good time. They always pull on your heartstrings. I think they just do this on purpose now. I think God just hates me, but it's fine. <laughs> we'll get to that later. <laughs> so uh CM Punk again defeats Satoshi Kojima to advance in the first round of the Owen Hart Cup tournament. Uh next match on the card was a dandy. It was Orange Cassidy defending yeah, the AEW yeah. International Championship in a four-way match against Zack Sabre Jr. Katsuyori Shibata and Daniel Garcia. Mm. Uh, another phenomenal match involving uh, Orange Cassidy, but really it was like everybody was just awesome. Yeah, every, and I that is a good thing with AEW's like multi-person matches. I I will give them props that they know how to map out a match that gives everybody enough time to shine where it's not like okay, yeah, well, this other person was in the match too, but, like, who cares because the other three were just as good. No, they were all really, really good, and they are just... Oh, the storyline with Orange is so good. This whole reign is just fantastic because it's just... For the announced team to have to go down the list of his hand was hurt from House of Black, this was hurt from this person, this was hurt from that person, the poor guy's a walking infirmary at this point. Like... I don't yes. think he's like, I don't think there's a certain any part of his body that's not injured at this point, And yet always finds a way to get the job done. And he did this time. This was, I think almost a culmination to a degree of like these varying championship matches he's had recently where it's, he's getting more and more desperate. And he did mm-hmm. because he literally did granted what, what some heels would do, but I think it's very understandable in this situation where, um, I think it was Shibata, if I remember correctly, hit his finisher and Orange just chucked him out of the ring and took the pin, which is like, you know what? When you're a walking poor medical case, then you have to do what you have to do and it works. Yeah. Um, how else can he win? He's won so many times. Like yeah. he's running out of out of ways to win the match. So, which makes me um, nervous. It it does make me nervous because I'm looking at it as like whoever takes the belt off him has some serious uh, shoes to fill. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Because this guy for every sense of the word has been a fighting champion. Um, Yeah. You know, defending the title. I feel like you can argue he's probably been AEW's best champion lately. Oh, for sure. Oh, that's not even a hot take. That's just obvious. (laughs) Like, yeah, without a doubt, I think he's been, one of AEW's best performers all around. Um, yeah. 
so so much so that you can you look past all the you look past the uh, the slow motion kicks, the yeah. hands in the pocket, you know, and you see this guy is is just a great wrestler, like he's just so great uh, at fighting from underneath, you know, getting the people on his side, yeah. uh, being resilient and look like you know he's suffering, but he's not going to give up. And again, he's been a fighting champion, which is what can you ask for when it comes to a, a title that's pretty uh, still brand new. Exactly. Um, and I think that's what <laughs> I'm glad that everyone's catching up on what you and I have known all along about Orange. Yeah. We've said it how many times about especially him and Danhausen, where it's like, yeah, the gimmicks and the characters are funny and entertaining, but we know at their core, they're good wrestlers. And it's just so funny to see all these people finally admitting it. And we're just sitting back like, mm hmm. Yeah, it took you about, oh, I don't know, a few years too late, but glad you're finally joining us because we've known this for a while. So I'm glad yeah. that Orange especially is finally getting his just due because I feel like it, you have no choice but to pay attention to him now. You can't just try to use the excuse of, oh, but the character. It's like, no, the character at this point's a bonus. It used to be the complete opposite where... The character was the entertaining thing about him and then his wrestling skills are just a bonus. Now he's found a way to flip that where everyone talks about, oh, how these matches are so like really good. And like you said, oh yeah, he does like the glasses and the, like lazy pyro to like two sparklers that randomly yeah. just show up, which makes it. me laugh. But now that's just the bonus where it's like, oh wow, we have a really good wrestler that's a funny character, even better. Yeah. And you know what? Shout out to to everybody else in the match too. We're yeah. phenomenal. I mean, Zack Saber Jr. is literally one of the best technical wrestlers on the planet. So mm -hmm. is Shibata is just a dangerous man that yeah. I love to to see in the ring because he literally brings it. And Daniel Garcia uh, and that <laughs> dance. <laughs> Jesus, that kid is he's a menace. He's, he's losing his mind. Did, did, did you see the spot where they're hitting him <laughs> and he just keeps doing the stupid did, dance? Did like, you see that someone turned that into a meme where it's like me in my 20s when I keep taking shots versus the, we won't talk about the instance of when you're in your 30s and take one shot because that's its own thing we need to talk about but it's just like what are you doing? <laughs> what are oh you... my god like it's it's so ridiculous and he needs to be stopped. He, he does but it's just it's fucking hysterical it is. Um, like, it is it's just ridiculous it is ridiculous but the match itself uh was phenomenal definitely uh was the highlight of the night before all the other matches but it definitely like you said about uh the other multi-man match like you said about the multi-man matches they kind of figure out a way how to map this out and everybody gets a time to shine so it, it just really worked out well and the crowd loved it yeah, that was definitely, up until that point, it was definitely the best match so far on the card. Definitely. Uh, next up on the card, we had the IWGP World Heavyweight Champion, Sonata, defending the title in an open challenge that was accepted <sighs> by Jungle Boy, Jack Perry. Um, as far as the match, the only thing I note was that it was just the match. It really didn't yeah. have yeah. any wow moments to make you go, huh. <sighs> That stood out in my memory. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was just the match. I'm glad that you and I were kind of on the same like page because I didn't want to say, like, I don't really remember anything except what happened afterwards. <laughs> like, yeah, it was a thing. It's it was a I mean, did anyone expect Jungle Boy to win? No, I didn't. Um, 
but the ending no <laughs> the the aftermath of that match i i felt so bad I, for I, poor jack not jungle jack jungle boy mm-hmm. but our listener our friend jack is oh it was a sad night for him yeah um I, I, you could just smell it. You could just. They were taking it. too long. I'm like, this is taking too long. We know how this yeah. goes. And... Yeah. But the thing is, like, I think it's going to do great things for uh, Jungle Boy because he kind of, I don't know the guy, never met the guy, but he yeah. kind of just seems like, you know, he's just wants to be left alone. You know, like, yeah. you know, he, yeah. he doesn't really seem like a, like a, people person you know everybody talks about like how he he really struggles to do promos and things like that yeah i think this heel turn is going to be good for him because he doesn't have to come out to that song he doesn't have to come out doing that stupid hand dance you know like you know it just if you think about it and you just look at his demeanor it didn't fit it didn't it didn't fit to give him that sort of like you know he's he's jungle boy you know he's from the jungle and he's he, he just seems like he he can he can kind of be that prick if he wants to he still has that boyish good look to yeah him. uh so he can be a little cocky and he and he's a great wrestler he's oh he is yeah wrestler. i just I, think like this point in his career before the heel turn um he reached the ceiling you know of what he can do so now he can get his personality over in a different way Mm -hmm. um and and obviously putting him in a program with hook who really hasn't Hmm. been in a program or anything like that um he hasn't really been in a in a feud or anything like that i think this is going to be good for him yeah i hope so i just hope that oh the only problem i may have with jungle boy with as a heel is kind of like you said that issue with promos and charisma and all that so either it can do wonders for him or it can make him crash and burn i mean one i guess this is the way to do is throw him in the deep end and say have fun uh do it or you're gonna drown so it's kind of a make or break thing for him i think um Mm -hmm. hook oh they just did a very good job just not necessarily the turn itself because but then again, for all we know, we're so used to these, like, betrayals being, like, you kick them or, like, do something and everyone's shocked and there's, like, a moment and then you just beat the ever-living hell out of them. Mm-hmm. This one was just one clothesline and I'm like, that's supposed to keep hooked down for, like, five minutes? Okay. I, I'm, like, mm-hmm. I'm sitting there waiting for something else to happen and it just didn't. So I was a little confused, but... Oh, what they did with Taz afterwards. Oh, boy. That yeah, that made you excited for this feud. The fact that they literally took him off of commentary because he was so mad about what happened. That was such a nice touch. I loved that. That was so good. Because now you're like, oh, shit. Taz is pissed. So, you know, Hook's going to be even more pissed. So, now you want to see it ha- something happen. So, we'll yeah, have to watch I, Dynamite. I would, love, I would love if they paired up hook and taz on tv yeah um i i know he's i know he's the commentator for for dynamite so it kind of makes it tough but like you've had a referee in a match so i think he can go past the rules to be real <laughs> the, here the thing is like he 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 can be such a good heater for for hook yeah. in terms of talking for him and, and and getting him over like that was the one thing about taz when I was first introduced to Taz, it wasn't even in a match. It was a promo. Mm-hmm. And when and he was talking about a promo, and I think he was talking about Bam Bam Bigelow. 
And again, this is the first time I've ever seen Taz. And I'm like, this dude's crazy looking like he's pissed off and he's angry. And then he says, beat me if you can survive if I yeah. let you. And I said, oh, you're like, oh that's boy, a, that's a crazy line. Yeah. So like, so like Taz can be that sort of heater for, for his son. And it just, it just, it just, it, it will just be a cool sort of feel good thing because Taz does such a good job of putting over his son, but not being that like stage dad, you know? Yeah. You I'm know, just happy to not, see my son succeed, dad. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's just like, everybody's like, Taz, you know, he, he's amazing. He does things like you do. And Taz's like, no, he actually does it better. You know, yeah, he does yeah. it better than I do. He has different gifts and abilities that uh, Taz didn't have. You know, so in a way, he took can definitely not have to worry about being in uh, the shadow of his dad. So again, this this thing, you know, you're gonna have two young kids, you know, different paths, different attitudes, uh, going at it in this feud between Jungle Boy and Hook. It's gonna be great stuff. It just sucks that the match with Sonata was just kind of like an overlook. It, you know, it was the ending, <laughs> yeah. ending that made it more memorable than the actual match. Yeah, oops. Oh, well. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> That's a shame. Yeah. Uh, so next up, this is was another good sort of wild and out of control match. Uh, the 10-man ten, ten tag match. The Elite, Hangman Adam Page, Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks, Eddie Kingston, and Tomohiro Ishii taking on the Blackpool Combat Club contingent of John Moxley, Wheeler Yuta, and Claudio Castagnoli, Konosuke Takeshita, and Shota Umino. Uh, this was this was wild, chaotic. Like, it was it was it was chaotic, but it was like less chaotic what than what you would expect with the regular BCC match. Yeah, you know, it was a little it was a little tame. You know, mm-hmm. there was. There was some bits that I like. I like the interaction between Takeshita and Ishii uh, when they were just throwing those elbows at each other. Yeah. And then, like you said, with the Daniel Garcia. Yeah, movie, knocked him out. That, that actual elbow, when he hit when he hit Ishii, like, I seeing it a second time, I still went, holy shit, like, he just cleaned his clock. Yeah, that, that's the one thing I remember especially, but I also remember when... Um, Oh, what was gonna? Oh, when the young bucks were about to kick, I think Mo- it was pretty sure it was Moxley and Eddie like pushed him out of the way. I'm like, yeah, Eddie, what are you doing? Stop! That, like, what? That, Damn it! That was so weird. Like, you know, yeah. it was kind of. If I can, if I can equate it to anything that maybe people, you know, might be like, okay, that makes sense. It's sort of like Sami Zayn's fascination with the Usos. You know, yeah. where he would still take a bullet for them, and you can kind of visualize that. It's kind of the same sentiment. Like Eddie Kingston, they'll still take a bullet for Moxley, even though Moxley uh, not only is gonna put Claudio first because mm-hmm. we've already talked about the hatred between Eddie Kingston and Claudio. Um, obviously, John Moxley still puts Claudio first, and he hit and he hit Eddie with that cutter, like yeah. towards the end of the match, like it was nothing. Whereas Eddie Kingston really had trouble uh, going to combat with John Moxley. Yeah, you know, even when John was kind of baiting him in, Eddie Eddie was like, "Are you serious? Like, are you 
taking shots at me. Like, you know, it's just, uh, I want to see where this goes, you know? I, but again, selfishly, it's just like, every time I see Eddie Kingston, I'm like, no matter what people say, if they put him in the main event picture, he's going to get over. Like, even yeah. more so than what he, he already is, you know, with the people, because he, the people identify with him. Everybody cranky, pissed off. Mm-hmm. Everybody walks around with the chip on their shoulder. And it's 2023. And we just don't want to hear shit anymore. <laughs> like, you know? Yeah. Like, and, and so many people identify that with Eddie Kingston. He just doesn't, he doesn't have time for the shenanigans no he's he's over the bullshit over the drama yeah he just wants to fight you know he just wants to fight you know so putting him in 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 the in the main event picture i think it's very dusty roads esque it's very stone cold steve austin-esque where he's like not the prototypical poster boy champion uh but again like everybody was great in this match Takeshita was awesome as well yeah you know I think, like, within two years, I mean, you could put Konosuke Takesta in the main event picture, and it'll be great. Um, he's just a phenomenal professional wrestler. So everything was great in this match. It was it was a fairly long match. It went 21 minutes. Yeah. So it was, it was definitely a, a bit longer uh, than what you would expect, but uh, it was a, a great, great match. Yeah, I completely agree. Chaotic, but not as chaotic as we're used to. So that was a, that was a nice change. And obviously, uh, Ishii gets the win, hitting uh, Sheer Drop Brainbuster. I think I think Wheeler U- Yuta took the pin again, right? Yeah, I believe so. It, it, it seems like any time the Black Hole Combo Club loses a match, it's always because Wheeler Yuta is eating the pin. And we yeah. all know what happens when he eats the pin. Yeah, nothing good happens. Nothing good, nothing Yikes. good. All right, so moving on, we had uh, Tony Storm defending the AEW Women's World Championship against Willow Nightingale, the New Japan Strong Women's Champion. Uh, this was a good match. Uh, yeah. It just, it kind of, kind of like the, uh, kind of like the Jungle Boy Sonata match. It was good. There was just nothing really that kind of stood out, you know? It's that interference again, like... You all you expect it to happen now, so it's not like it mm-hmm. makes any impact. And I mean, yeah, I don't know if it was just me, but it seemed the ending was just very abrupt. Where it's yeah, okay, she of. got her in the eyes, and oh, that's it. Oh, that's Storm Zero. That's it. I'm like, wait, is it like nothing yeah. else? But it was still a good match. They were both very good, but it's just like, can I see you know Tony Storm actually have a match where there's no interference? Like that would be great, but it's not going to mm-hmm. happen. But I thought it was pretty decent. Yeah, it was decent. It just for me, it's just like it was good. But again, if you tell me like what is what were the highlights? You know, it's just yeah. like well, mm, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like I got nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was just uh, um, I I wasn't surprised that Tony won. I I love her, even though she's paired with Soraya and Ruby. Soraya kind of starting to annoy me just yeah. like her presence i don't know why it's just, like, <laughs> just like uh, you know yeah. but like tony was was so great at the press conference uh specifically mm. when they asked her about possibly taking on julia yes. who's a, a stardom champion yeah and she's just like 
yeah, whatever. And everybody's expecting like a bigger answer from her. Yeah, nothing. <laughs> she looks at Tony Khan. She's like, what am I, a fucking Mark Tony? Like, what do these people <laughs> want from me? Like, yeah. Like, you know, she's just like, I, I love, I love that edge. You know, that, yeah. that like, I don't give a shit sort of attitude. It's like, if you can pull it off where it doesn't seem forced or like you're acting. Yeah. You know, I, I love it so much. Even like they're a big giant a-hole, but that's, <laughs> yeah. that's, who, they're, that's who they're supposed to be. Exactly. You know, it's, it's just kind of like, kind of like you don't want to approach Tony Storm and ask her for an autograph or a selfie. No. Because she's just going to tell you or she's just not going to be into it. No, um, not at all. So the one saving grace from the outcast is that I'm starting to like Tony Storm. Um, the, yeah. the other two, the other two, the verdict is still out. Yeah, I was going to say, be careful. <laughs> be very careful, Eric. Um, yeah, I just want to see a little more of Ruby not being a sidekick. That would be great. Yeah, yeah, she's kind of... She's kind of been relegated to that side. Well, we were going to get that chance, but um, we'll talk about that later. Um, yeah. yeah. Anyway, move, moving on. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, Tony Storm uh, retains the AEW Women's World Championship. Next up on the <laughs> on the card was uh, was a wowzer. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was Kenny Omega defending the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship against Will Ospreay, part two uh, of their feud mm. uh, dating back from Russell Kingdom in, in Japan. This time it took place in Toronto. Um, Match of the night. Yep. Like, yeah, like, like, it's, it's, not it. even, it's not even a fucking debate. Like, no. <laughs> this, no. was, this was, the best way I could put it, this was making violence an art form. Oh yeah, and but the thing before we even get into the details, I was looking at it um, on Wikipedia. This thing was just shy of forty minutes. It did not seem like forty minutes at all. No, it like it was, flew by, but in the best way. It was just <sighs> pain. The this these two were ah man, like it was. It's just like pain. you can't even put it to words, except like it Ow. was. It was. It was violent. It was violent, but. To me, there there was an art form about it, and like you look at certain situations, just like uh, you know, Will bashing Omega's head into the announce table, which is a callback to their first match when Kenny did it. Yeah, when Kenny did it to to him, and so he got his revenge that way. Um, Kicking out of the one way angel at, at the count of one. God. And, like, the coolest part about that was I saw clips on Twitter from the the Japanese commentary. Yeah. When, when Kenny did that, El Desperado was just going berserk. Oh, I yeah. was losing it, totally putting over the moment. And then I found a clip of the Spanish uh, announced yeah. team, and, and Thunder Rosa was on the team. And when Kenny kicked out, she went ape shit. Yeah. Like, yeah, I think she, everyone did. Yeah, I was like, no way that would that did not happen. Like, yeah, first that that he that Will Osprey had the audacity to do the one wing <laughs> angel yeah. uh, on Kenny Wang. And the thing about the one wing angel is, I think one person has ever kicked out of the one wing angel. 
Yeah. And I think, think that was Abushi. I think was the only Abushi, and maybe Abushi and Okada, but it's definitely just two. Yeah. That's how as, one on one hand. Say, yeah, as they say, the, that this move is protected. That means oh, when yeah. he hits it, it's over and done with. So for Osprey to do that and steal his move, the nerve! Oh my god! And then the, he did the thing with the Canadian flag. Oh which yeah, was great. Um, the just, tire driver ninety one. Oh my god! Oh, oh. that was. Whew, that mm. was that was like uh, that's when you knew they they weren't playing around. <laughs> this, wasn't, this wasn't the game, and then it was like. And then obviously online everybody's like, he shouldn't have did that move. It's too yeah. dangerous and banned the move. And you're like, it's like a shut up, <laughs> whatever. Just like shut up, like you just know, like, like just let it happen. I mean, granted, did it look bad? Yes, but <laughs> that it, that was the match in a nutshell. Where it was, yeah, like it's kind of like how you described it, where it's it was an art form of just like violence, where like the the table, Kenny getting his face smashed into the table. Anybody else could have done that. It wouldn't have looked as realistic as him. It would have been too over the top or not, like, enough. He just knew just the way to move, just the way to, like, put the spin on it, where it was, like, yeah, you know, it's only, like, I think, like, what, cardboard, not even cardboard, just, like, plastic or something, like, the cover. But he made it look as if he was getting shot through broken glass. (laughs) Like, it looked painful. It looked like the most painful head into the announce table that I've ever seen. Because that's yeah. just Kenny Omega. That's how that works. Um, I I feel so bad because um, even as of this recording, my mom still has not seen Forbidden Door yet. Oh no! Yeah, she. Um, well, unfortunately, she had to go back to our our, her, our hometown on Sunday, so she usually doesn't get to watch the Sunday pay per views. And so she's like, oh, "I'll just watch it this weekend, like when you're asleep or something." I'm like, "Oh boy." <laughs> She's not ready. <laughs> she she yeah. is not ready at all. Good luck getting through that one. Yeah, yeah that one's going to make her cringe quite a bit because let's put it this way. And she'll attest to this too. This isn't me calling her out live on an episode. Anytime someone hits like a poison Rana, it drives her insane every time. <laughs> Hates it because it just looks like so painful. And I'm here thinking, if she thinks the poison Rana looks bad, just wait till she watches this match. It's going to make her. Oof. <laughs> The poison rana might as well just be a backdrop at this point. Yeah, the poison you rana know, compared to this match is like a chop. That's it. Yeah, it's just, it's just, this match was crazy. This was mm. the match that, this was the new Japan Kenny Omega coming oh, up yes. for AEW. This was the cleaner uh, because mom said it before. Yeah. She's like, everyone talked about, oh, the cleaner Kenny Omega. And I just don't like see it in AEW She'll see it in this one. This is the clan. And yeah, they even brought they, his theme they, back. I'm so glad yep. they brought that theme back. It was so good. It's I love that song. It's so cool. It's it was it's definitely the prototypical classic Kenny the Cleaner Omega. Yes. With that without a doubt. Uh without a doubt, my match of the year so far for oh, AEW. Yeah. yeah. Uh overall, overall, you know, both promotions, any promotions, this this one's gonna be hard to beat. No, it'll be, we'll be talking about it at the end of the year. I guarantee it. Yeah, yeah. This one, this one was uh, special. And at this point, like you gotta think. Not only do they have to do part three of the trilogy <laughs> Wembley. at Wembley, yeah, for all in. It has to close out the show. 
Oh, yeah, you can't make the mistake that they made with the... See, and it was so funny because we were just like, you know what? I'm glad that it was Danielson and Okada getting the main event because everyone just expected Wasp and Omega. Well, now that we've seen it, it's like, yeah, maybe it should have been the main event after all, but <laughs> oh, well, make it the main event of all in, though. <laughs> Don't rectify yeah. that problem. Yeah, people would buy into it, no problem. Yeah. Uh, Will Ospreay defeats Kenny Omega after hitting, I think, a second Stormbreaker uh, to finally uh, put away Kenny Omega and take the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship away from him. Uh, Obviously, uh, Don Callis did play a part, but I I don't think, uh, honestly, I felt like this match was so good, it, it didn't. It didn't even need that Don Callis stuff. Yeah, and I'm surprised it wasn't the ending because I'm like, really, this yeah. is how we're gonna end it, and it didn't. And I'm like, oh shit, wow. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It was. Uh, it was. It was a doozy again. This is to this point AEW's match of the year, my book. Uh, definitely up there for match of the year overall. Oh, yeah. Um, which is something we'll we'll definitely revisit at the end of the year to talk about. Absolutely. All right, and then next up in the death spot of the card uh which is the down yes obviously just all the emotions been sucked out of the building but we still need to put on these matches we had uh, a six-man tag team match between sting darby allen and tetsuya naito taking on chris jericho sammy Guevara, and minoru suzuki uh this one i don't remember it <laughs> I really don't. I'm just gonna say it. I don't remember this match at all because I think we're we were all just like, oh god, we have to go through. <laughs> we went through that match with Osprey and Omega, and then that, and I'm just like, okay. I remember Suzuki's oh, entrance. That's about it. I know they were like they were probably backstage watching <laughs> the Osprey Omega match, I'm like shit, and just going shit. We gotta follow that. <laughs> yeah, and you knew, you knew, because. Naito took off his his whole getup and he wrestled in his t-shirt. And that yeah. signifies that Naito didn't give a shit at that point. He yeah. was just like, no. He's like, let's just get it over with. Let's just let's just do this thing. We'll have the match. I'll do my my bits and my pieces. Let's get the hell out of here and get it to the main event. Uh again, uh good on uh Sting. Darby Allen and Naito getting the win. Yeah, even though Sammy almost killed Sting, but... Oh, yeah, that was probably definitely a spot to to highlight of the match. It looked like Sting was trying to get out off the table. Yeah, it didn't work. And, uh, yeah, it just didn't work. Uh, Not at all. Hopefully everybody's okay. The craziest thing about it was Sting, at his age, didn't look as bad as Hiroshi Tanahashi. (laughs) Yeah, that's the sad part about it, but... Let's, if you want to put it on a metric scale, you know? Yeah, yeah really. He, he, does, he, he, didn't, he didn't look... I think Jericho looked worse than Sting in this match, but we all know how I feel about Jericho. Yeah, so hot that take. On a, Not really yeah, hot we're take. That, we're putting that on a bias scale. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get that. Um, Yeah, it, it, was a, <laughs> it was where it was supposed to be on the card, all things considered, let's be real. <laughs> Yeah, but they they were in a tough position, and yes. and the crowd was in a tough position. Yeah, I think they tried to give this match some respect, but the match before it was just like an energy vacuum. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Which which I kind of feel played a part in the main event, hmm. which was a dream match between 
the American Dragon, Brian Danielson, taking on Kazuchika Okada. Uh, the mm. match, a <laughs> second time, the second time around wasn't as bad as as the first. Like the second time around, I can kind of see why people were trying to be positive about this match. Yeah. Um, you know, because of, of just what the match represented, the the overwhelming expectations that we put on the match. Yeah. Um, I I feel people when they look back at this match will look at it and say it was okay, it was good, but we might have overhyped it at the time that it was happening. Um, and yeah. a, a large part of that was because 10, 10, 12 minutes in the match, uh, Okada does a flying elbow drop and completely shatters uh, Brian Danielson's forearm. Yeah, um, I saw the x-ray photo. That was, ow. Yeah, they said initially... Um, it could be six to eight weeks. I think it's probably more than that, the way that break looked. That yeah, break it's going to have to be. Yeah, that break was, it was a break. Like, it was almost touching the interior part of the other bone. Uh, <laughs> that's how, that it, was, it was, and he wrestled 15 more minutes with one arm. Yeah. And nobody knew it. Because I, I looked at the spot watching the match a second time, knowing when it was coming. You watch it happen. Danielson shows no emotion. Doesn't no. wince. Doesn't scream. No. Doesn't go ow. Doesn't call Bryce over and say my arm's broken. None of that. No, but I will say if I have one problem with this match aside from, well, that's kind of like, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. the whole thing where if we went into that match knowing like if you future you came back and was like, hey, yeah, I know this is a dream match and all, but 10 minutes in, Danielson's, like, forearm gets, like, broken clean in half, so don't expect this to be as good as it's supposed to be. That would have been one thing. But we kind of talked about it in the pre-production meeting. When you label something as a dream match, that is uh, that is uh, as much pressure as you can put on a match. And could it have lived up to that hype? Yes. Did it? No. But I think it was just for a bunch of different reasons. But... <laughs> The one thing I was not a fan of was the whole, um, hey, I'm going to pretend to have a seizure right here in the middle of the yeah. ring. And, you know, because I, I, you kind of saw him do it a little bit before that. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm like, no, this cannot fucking be happening on live pay-per-view. Um, and then he started doing it again. And but then. Yeah, I started to, like, get a sneaky suspicion about it once, you know, like, the doctor was in there and Bryce was there and then Okada's like, yeah, whatever, get out of my way and just, like, tried to go after him instead. I'm like, did they really just do this? And then they did. And I'm like, they really fucking did that. I hated that. That was just not... It wasn't necessary. No, because I get you want to, like, sucker people in of, like, oh, God, is he actually, like, hurt again? But it's just, like, that almost ended his career or end his life. So maybe not something you should, you know not joke around about but just like you know make a, like oh it's no big deal he was just faking it that's how he's sneaky that way it's like no he didn't really need that that's fine but <laughs> yeah no not a fan yeah. of that at all yeah but uh, um the ending was just uh i've said it to you and i will say it to the listeners i was looking down at my phone because you and i were saying this has got to go at least 30 40 minutes and at that point it was almost midnight and i'm like dude i'm gonna have to go to bed i'm not gonna be able to see the end of this match because i have work tomorrow you know that mm -hmm. thing 
and I like looked at my phone for something. I don't remember what. I think it was like we might have been talking. And then I heard the bell and I looked up and I'm like, there is no fucking way it's over already. And it was just barely past midnight. And then I looked, I'm like, oh my God, they re- it really is over. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> I was confused. But obviously, knowing what we know now, it makes somewhat sense. But still, I'm just like, dream match? Really? No. Yeah, I no. think um, for now, that, that'll be considered a hot take. But yeah. when the emotion wears off, you know, a couple weeks down the line, I think you'll see more people online will be like, this was okay, but it wasn't as great as what we what it could have been. Yeah, um, that fun phrase. Yeah. What could have been? Yeah, and that's just that's just the way it is. Um, it definitely leaves the option to have a second match. Um, a second match, maybe the next Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, that happens in January. You know, but this time it'll happen in Japan. You know, so that would be cool to see Brian Danson go back to Japan. Uh, the reception he would get from the Japanese audience against Okada, you know, and, and they did the cool thing. You know, they had the, the final countdown, which I was like, Oh, that's so, that's so awesome that they, you know, Tony Khan was able to foot the bill for that one. Um, but for me, it's just like, like I said, like I said on Twitter, you know, when you hear those coins drop, you know, Okada's coming out, it's, he's a bad man. Like I remember, when the first time I saw Okada live was in 2014 mm-hmm. for a, a New Japan Ring of Honor show in yeah. New York. And I was in the front row, and as soon as those coins dropped and he came out, it was like the a wave of energy yeah. was just like whoosh. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it was nuts. So uh, Okada, for those that aren't familiar with him, you know, and didn't Google. listen to our Use Your Google episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Watch this match and just look at the presence of Okada, and oh, you'll, yeah. you'll see that he's a big deal. Again, hopefully, when uh, Danielson heals up, uh, they can do this match because I think they're being before this match even happened, they were being extra careful with Danielson. Yeah, uh, they they weren't putting him in matches on TV. You know, there was a rumor he could do the G one, and then he decided not to. Um, they were being very selective when to put him in matches. So I think if they continue that. Much like what we said about Tanahashi, I mean, we could be seeing the tail end of the American Dragon. Oh, boy. Oh, that's, yeah, but you're not wrong, unfortunately. You know, I say, figure out some dream matches, you know, where he can kind of pack it all in. You know, everybody wants the match against him and Nigel, uh, you know, but you Mm -hmm. do another match with Samoa Joe. I think everybody would love a match between him and Punk, you know. Yeah. Him and him and Kenny again. Give him like a a ten match stretch where he's just banging out these bangers every other month or so, you know. And you can have a years long worth of Danielson doing something good for the finale of his career. I think people don't want to talk about that because it seems so final. And like what yeah. we said about time. Ta- time is fleeting and, mm-hmm. you know we're we're all getting older you know yeah yeah so it's a little it's, depressing but it's the truth <laughs> it's, it is a little depressing but just uh that's that's wrestling yeah you know? yeah uh you know overall 
um, with Danielson defeating Okada. That was a big monumental moment in itself because it's been like eight years or so since Okada ever tapped out uh, of in a match, you know? So yeah. that, that was something to take home. Again, I think this match is uh, definitely due for a second part uh, a couple months down the road when uh, Danielson is all healed up. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. That was AEW's Forbidden Door. Uh, a great show. Definitely a step up from Double or Nothing. So I'm excited uh, to see where they go for here for All In. And then, like we said, they're doing something crazy where they're having All Out Weekly. Oh, God. Uh, uh, <laughs> insane. Insane. Great. Absolutely insane. Uh, another pay-per-view that we have to run through very quickly yeah, is happening. Speed run. It, yeah, it's happening this uh, Saturday. Mm -hmm. uh, thankfully, it's happening at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time because it's happening in London, the UK, for Money in the Bank, WWE. Uh, shaped up. I'm looking at the card now. It looks like a great show. Yeah. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of great matches on the card, uh, obviously culminating with the Money in the Bank ladder matches, which we'll talk about, but also the Bloodline Civil War, mm -hmm. Roman and Solo versus the Usos. We'll talk about that in just a bit. But why don't we talk about the first match on the card, uh, Gunther defending the Intercontinental Championship against the original bro, Matt Riddle. Uh, I Prediction, like we said, we're kind of speed running through it. I'm going with Gunther only because the reign uh, of his Intercontinental Championship is, I don't want to say just as important of the reign of Roman Reigns, but pretty close. It, it's, been, it, it's been pretty special. Um, to watch what Gunther has been able to do with the Intercontinental Championship. So I'm going with Gunther. Still should be a hard-hitting match because Matt Riddle, at least, he's no slouch in the ring. He's just kind of kind of weirded me out ever since he came back. You know, yeah. it's just kind of yeah. like I'm not really vibing with him. He's kind of regressed a little bit. So hopefully this match will put him on the right course uh, for doing something greater but for me i'm going with gunther what about you yeah i'm going with gunther too because we always say with these kind of title reigns whoever beats him it's going to be a very big deal and it's not going to be matter at all like yeah. that's not taking my yeah. bias that's even taking my bias out of it it's just a plain fact you're not going to have him lose to somebody like riddle so now nah, it's got to be gunther yeah. yeah definitely that's a that's a good point uh next up on the card we have the american nightmare cody rhodes taking on Dominic Mysterio, a definite match that nobody saw coming, but I'm excited for it. Like I said, it's the most popular guy in WWE <laughs> taking on the most hated guy in WWE. Yeah. Uh, so it's a, it's a perfect dynamic. Uh, Dominic's been playing his part perfectly with the sneak attacks um, and having these matches on, on raw where he's looking like he's putting it together. So Cody is definitely a great, uh, test for him in the ring and I think Cody is going to take good care of him and they're going to have a very compelling match um, but as far as a winner uh, I I don't think it's going to happen but you remember a couple weeks ago I made the prediction to have Dominic win yeah. uh, because uh, Brock Lesnar interferes uh, attacking Cody when let's say the referee is down yeah. and Dominic just kind of saunters in drapes his arm on Cody and gets the one, two, three when the referee comes to. I think for Dominic being the most hated man in WWE, the crowd will just lose it. Uh, mm -hmm. Especially in London. 
especially in London, because they're they're already at a fever pitch because it's been a while since they had uh, a pay-per-view event in London, uh, in the UK. So they're definitely at a fever pitch. So expect a raucous crowd. The only takeaway from that in terms of my prediction that might be a little bit dangerous is Cody Rhodes uh, lost his previous match against Brock Lesnar. So yeah. does does the if you give him another loss to Dominic and he goes 0-2 in his last two matches, does that change his perception? I don't know. I don't know. <sighs> it's tough but because you can see either one of them winning and it would make sense. Yeah. You could definitely you can definitely go both ways. I think if you just want to do something different to kind of get a reaction out of the crowd, you go with Dominic. Um, but I wouldn't be upset if Cody won either. Yeah, I'm gonna just say Cody because I feel like Dominic's still gonna be hated no matter what. I don't think a loss is really gonna do that much for him, hopefully. I mean, like in a bad way, but people are still gonna boo him. But yeah, I feel like if you're Cody, you can't um go 0 2. So yeah, I'll say Cody. All right, good good choice, good choice. Uh, moving up on the card, the WWE Women's Tag Team Championships will be on the line when Ronda Rousey and your favorite Shayna Baszler will be defending the titles against Raquel Rodriguez and a returning Liv Morgan. Mm. Um, this is very interesting. I didn't expect Liv Morgan to come back so soon. No, they said um, the end of the summer. Yeah, so she must have been working hard, you know, and, yeah. which is great because, you know, the WWE Women's Division is, is very... Uh, gaunt so they can definitely use uh more bodies um as far as like what's stake in this match i think you have a better chance getting the titles over with the heels ronda and shayna you have a better chance of getting the titles over there's some rumblings that maybe they would take them to nxt and work with the tag team in nxt which would be great um but with their attitude and that being sort of their 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 themselves turned up to 10 mm-hmm. i think you probably get get the titles over more because the titles kind of have personality at they need point. consistency yes yes they definitely need consistency so you need a title reign from baszler and uh ronda rousey mm-hmm. to go on for a very long time so you're going to have to put some teams together, you know, and, yeah. and make some compelling feuds because, like we said last time, these things are cursed. Uh, so, again, <laughs> my prediction goes to Baszler and Ronda Rousey. Yeah, same. It's like I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to bet against Shayna this time. Not gonna, <laughs> it's not going to happen. But um, I'm glad Liv's back. Don't get me wrong. But, no, you, you got to give this title some consistency. You can't keep bouncing it around. Yeah, definitely, for sure. You don't want to. You don't want a TNT championship it. Oh, God, please no. <laughs> All right. All right. So next up, we have Seth freaking Rollins defending the WWE World Heavyweight Championship against Finn Balor, uh, which is a revisit to their match at SummerSlam in 2016. So that's how they're building this feud. Um, Finn's kind of bitter because his reign with the Universal Championship only lasted 24 hours. And... Yeah. Uh, and it came at the expense of Seth Rollins injuring him in that match. Uh, yeah. So he has a gripe. So, but uh, understandable. Again, yeah, again, Seth Rollins is on a roll right now. Not even with the World Heavyweight Championship. That just kind of came as a bonus. He was already hot uh, before then. Um, so I think that's where my prediction lies. They're going to keep the ball rolling with uh, Seth Rollins. But this might be a show stealer. 
I think so. A good sleeper match. Yeah. Yeah, I agree um, on both points that, yeah, it's definitely going to be like a match of the night contender might steal the show. And then, yeah, Seth, you're not taking the title off of Seth anytime soon. He's just too good to on a roll now that it wouldn't make any sense. Yeah, for sure. Uh, all right. And then we have <laughs> first up the women's 2023 Money in the Bank ladder match where it will go up against EO Sky, Trish Stratus, Zoe Stark, Bailey. Zelina Vega and Becky Lynch. Um, this one is very interesting because everyone probably sans Zelina. Uh, everyone kind of has a story going into this match. Yeah. Yeah. Zelina's kind of, unfortunately, doesn't really have anything going on right now besides the LWO. But, um, ooh, this is still going to be a fun one, though. I, I'm excited for this one. Um, I feel like it's just going to be so obvious to to a degree. I mean, obviously, I think we're going to get like the little hints of dissension with Bailey and EO. I still think EO is going to ultimately win it because in my fantasy, I still want it to um, shake down the way that I predicted a few weeks ago where she gets the, the briefcase, goes to win the title and cash in and Bailey screws her out of it. So mm-hmm. I think that's how damage control breaks up in my fantasy booking with the pencil. But uh, yeah, it's got to be EO out of all of them. She could use it more than anybody. Yeah. My my heart says EO. My head, if I was a gambling man and had to put money on it, would probably say Becky Lynch. Oh. Because they're really making a story out of her not uh being the money in the bank being the one thing that's kind of eluded her. I'd be okay with that career. too. Yeah. Um, and then you get the potential matches. I mean, her against Oscar her and Rhea. makes a lot of sense, or or Rhea. So you know, there's there's potential uh, with Becky to have some great matches with them. Um, but like you said, the EO Sky uh, Bailey situation is very compelling. The Zoe Stark uh, Trish Stratus is very compelling too, yeah. because they're in the same predicament as EO and Bailey, but there's no seeds of dissension between them. No, so. How does that play out? You know, um, yeah. it, it's great for, for Zoe to be in that spot because I think she has a lot of potential, um, a lot of upside. Mm-hmm. So it's good for her to be in that spot. But again, my heart wants EO to, to win because this can kind of catapult her as like a breakout star, um, you know, and this will mm-hmm. just be good to have a foundation to build her up on. But story-wise, which seems to be, um, the runner of the mill these days they're hammering home the fact that becky hasn't won money in the bank it's the one thing that's eluded her her whole career maybe so, that's a swerve yeah yeah definitely can can be a swerve so i'm definitely interested in this match and it'll definitely be a good one for sure yeah i kind of oh it's tough because yeah eo is obvious you would think the obvious choice but um it's one of those where that promo that uh the promo that Becky kind of had with Rhea backstage where Becky's like I just want to win that briefcase just to watch you squirm I'm like oh I kind of want to see that happen but mm-hmm. it was just I I think it's like that kind of hey look over here so we can like sneak away and get you this one even though he is also an obvious choice so I feel like I see what they made be trying to do where it's oh hey becky's never won it before so yeah she's definitely gonna win it but oh yeah here comes eo but i feel like it's a complete opposite where i think everyone's expecting eo to win so it's not gonna come as a surprise to a lot of people but 
I'd be okay with Becky winning, but I yeah, I still think it's gonna be Eo. Yeah, I, I would be pleasantly surprised if Eo can pull this off and uh, catapult her career. Um, moving on, we have the men's Money in the Bank ladder match. This one has seven superstars in it, uh, all ranging between Damian Priest, Butch, Santos Escobar, L.A. Knight, Shinsuke Nakamura, Ricochet, and the man who didn't have to do anything to get into the Money in the Bank uh, yeah. ladder match, Logan Paul. Um, yeah. I mean, obvious choice is L.A. Knight. Yeah, I. The guy is head and shoulders more popular than anybody in this group yeah. right now. But I think WWE will will Don't do, do the it. thing. Don't do they'll it. Do, <laughs> Don't say do it. The, they're gonna put the belt on Logan <sighs> because, because oh. this is this is the part about the Money in the Bank that doesn't make sense to me now. Now they've made it where you can use the briefcase in the contract to challenge for any title, yeah. uh, not just a world championship title. So, but for me, it's like if you're not using your opportunity to go after the top championship or one of the top yeah, championships, why are you here? What, like, what, what do you gain from beating uh, Austin Theory for the U.S. Championship? Yeah, where you can you can gain notoriety in defeating Seth Rollins for the World Heavyweight Championship. You know? Yeah, I see. I feel like I don't think this. I don't think this is a hot take. I feel like this would actually make some sense. Where forget Logan Paul's even in it because it's like who <laughs> gives a flying fuck at this point. But <laughs> if it was down to it's, I think yeah, it may be just a ruse. I think where it's like oh maybe it just builds intrigue of oh you never know who they're going to challenge and it just ends up being the like main title holder anyway. But me personally and i know i'm gonna get very i'm gonna get a lot of brownie points from my mom for this one but i would not give it to la Knight. i would give it to damian priest because he could definitely be in the main event scene right now and it wouldn't be like he wouldn't be out of place he's definitely putting on some great performances yeah and granted the popularity is not that like there like la Knight's is but you've seen what he can do when you put him on a big stage in front of you know the entire world he could do it, so I kind of like you with Becky. I would not be mad if it was Damien, but I just feel like it's gonna. I hope it's L.A. Knight because if the other alternative is Logan Paul, I'd rather um, I'd rather not. Oh, I get you want extra eyes on your product, but maybe don't piss off the people that are already here. And people would be mad, and not in a good way, if Logan would uh, win that briefcase because. Absolutely not. I'd rather see LA Knight or Damian Priest win it. So I'll say one of those two are my picks. Yeah, uh, there are some smatterings where there <sighs> could be a chance, but I'm hoping not. I just we know yeah. who we know who's one of them. Let's be honest. <laughs> Come on. Uh, I mean, like, not to take. Maybe it's just the fact that he's kind of semi heelish, and you just want to see him get punched in the face a lot. Yeah, um, but why? And and but and and like you can't really detract from the fact that when he's in the ring, he puts on good performances. Um, so I mean, yeah. there there there's your positive as as we I like guess. to do I, as we like to do on the ringside rundown. Um, we try, we try to spin as many positives as we can and not try to be overly negative, but uh. As L.A. Knight likes to say, nah, nah, 
I think uh, no. I think my vote is uh, going towards L.A. Knight. Uh, Damian Priest is a solid choice um, because he's been on a roll, and like you said, he definitely looks like he belongs in the main event scene, so I wouldn't be upset with that. Um, just anybody but Logan Paul. Yeah, anybody, please anybody but Logan Paul, but preferably L.A. Knight or Damian Priest. You're welcome, Mom. Just saying. <laughs> and then finally, the main event mm. is the Civil War. Oh, boy. Uh, Roman Reigns and his cousin, Solo Sokoa, take on their cousins and brother, the Usos. Uh, You're going to get your popcorn ready for this one, aren't you? Yeah, this is going to be, I feel like, as I've been saying for other matches, this one is going to be a doozy. It's going to be wild. It's just going to be... Ah, man. uh, The Usos, man, they're they're, they're the greatest tag team in WWE history. Yeah. Hands down. Oh, yeah. They're just... They they are taking two individuals who are very very good. They are brothers, and obviously they're a tag team. Uh, it's just crazy how good they can put on a match, uh, and just create drama, uh, excitement where you where you don't want to look away. Roman Reigns is is fantastic in the fact that he's an asshole. Yeah, um, he just makes it work. Uh, and, and Solo, Sokoa, uh, props to him, came from NXT, kind of, and they were just like, well, it just makes perfect sense to put him in yeah. the bloodline, but it was kind of like a sink or swim situation. Oh, yeah. And he's, def- he's definitely uh, been swimming with the big fish. So, uh, it's going to be great. As who wins, as, though? As far as who wins. Mm. Yeah, I know. I, I knew this was going to... Uh, confuse you or befuddle you a little bit because you could easily uh, see one of them, either of them winning. Yeah, befuddled is a great word mm-hmm. because um, I'm trying to f- the thing is like you can't figure out the next course of action with the story. <laughs> you really can't. You cannot. That's the craziest thing. Perfect example is what happened two weeks ago when Jay told Jimmy that he's out of the bloodline and then you're like, shit. And then yeah. you're like, and, and and then he's like, but I'm out of the bloodline too. Super kick, bam. Yeah. And you're like, oh my god, like you know, like it's just, oh my god, like if if it's just like, where do you go from here? No matter who wins. Yeah, something, it's it's so tough. Something has to happen. Something's got to go down. That that it's gonna be like, well. Guess we gotta watch SmackDown again because this always keeps, keeps doing it because they gotta get to to SummerSlam. SummerSlam's the big pay per view. They want to get to the big pay. Yeah, it's just how do you get there? Because it's like if the Usos win, they're they're the real ones. Where where's the next logical step for this story? Yeah. Um, it, and it's the same token if uh, Solo and Roman win. Um, I mean, I guess if Roman and Solo win, then you can do the whole chase thing. I guess. But ah, this is tough because again, you could see either one of them winning, and it would make some sense. And and at this point, I don't anybody who wins this match is going to be a win. Oh yeah, like it's going to be a win in terms of how it'll get over on TV, how it'll translate to the fans, and they're obviously going to do something to say. Keep watching the story because we're gonna keep doing something to keep you hooked in, mm-hmm. you know. So it's just like I don't care who. Wins. 
I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> any of them, either one. Yeah, we, we, we all win, no matter who wins. You know, like I said, it's, it's hard to say, is this the greatest storyline in wrestling history? Because there have been I mean... so many historic storylines in, in the history of professional wrestling. As far as, like, the past 20 years, yeah. you know, uh, this is the one. You know, this is... This is if if things like streaming services, DVR, if we were back in like 1998 where ratings would matter, this will be one of the ones where everybody's sitting at home watching this and SmackDown's getting like a seven, eight rating like they used to do. Yeah. Uh, like Raw used to do in the Attitude Era. Mm-hmm. Um, I The reason nowadays a, a number like two million is like, wow, that's pretty good, is just because the culture of television consumption has changed. Yeah. Um, but again, that you look at the uptick and why everybody cannot deny that the WWE product is on and up is because of this storyline. It's on the back of the storyline. Yeah. It's it, They are running into some dangerous situations because we all hear the rumors about the situation in terms of creative, you know, one moment Vince McMahon's got his fingerprints on it. Yeah. The next moment Triple H and his crew are trying to stop everything that Vince McMahon doing. And yeah. that's the problem. You have two different creative ideologies uh, going on. Um, Triple H cares more about the physical product, cares yeah. more about the, the wrestling aspect of, of the show where Vince is looking to try to get the show over for its entertainment value. Um, So you have two different creative ideologies. It's just a matter of who wins, you know, because the storyline, the storyline has been perfect. They've knocked it out of the park every single time. So it's like, if if they screw up, how bad, how, how big is the screw up? Yeah. Can they recover from a screw up? Mm hmm. Because this this streak of delivering story arc after story arc after story arc for a full three years it is absolutely insane. Insane. Um I don't I don't know. I can't I can't figure out a winner in this one. I'm I'm stumped. <laughs> I I hate to admit it, but I can't either. It's you could you could literally see either side and it would make sense to a degree storyline wise, so it's almost just like I can't I can't yeah, pick I, either. I, I, I can't it's just it's the first time I think ever that we haven't been able to pick. Yeah, um uh, it's just one of those situations where you just gotta sit back and watch. And just let it happen. And just, just let it happen and let's see where they're gonna go with it because they haven't let us down yet so no got got to give them credit yeah gotta give them props gotta give them props so that is uh the coverage for this saturday's money in the bank uh premium live event now if you're on the east coast in the united states uh this event takes place at 3 p.m eastern standard time which is a blessing because right, thank God. <laughs> the latest this show will run is till probably seven, maybe six thirty-seven. So it's it's definitely a blessing. You don't have to spend all night watching wrestling. It's a nice little afternoon wrestling show. They're going to be in London, so the crowd is going to be going crazy. They're going to be doing their soccer chants, oh, their yeah. music chants. They're going to be chanting. 
they're going to be clapping, going crazy. So this is going to be a good show. I can't wait. Um, premium live events haven't been a miss yet in 2023, so we're very lucky. Yes, keep the luck going. Definitely, for sure. Um, now that we've gotten over the coverage of Forbidden Door uh, and Money in the Bank, we can get to the, the meat of the show, the part that everybody comes to listen to, and that is where we take your questions in the mailbag segment. Now, we got a lot of questions, um, so we're going to try to get through them not quickly but you know we're gonna we're gonna move it along at a at a quicker pace so we don't bore the hell out of you with our voices yes okay we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna speed through it to a degree because unfortunately as we've said before work is unfortunately a thing for me in tomorrow tomorrow morning so all right let's get into it all right so we're gonna start with jack's questions first so um jack would like to know is Paul Turner just Wes McCauley in disguise? And for the non-hockey fans out here, Wes McCauley is an NHL referee who um, I'm sure for Jack's Rangers and my Penguins are the bane of our existence because the guy just does not know how to um, use the rules or just you know enforce the rules very well. And Paul Turner did not know what the rules were in that Osprey and Omega match because how do you kick a guy out like callus and then let him come back for the rest of the match and then and then on top of that don callus gets the upper hand on him like he's he's strong arming him yeah. don callus of all people strong arming a person is not believable no but he's strong arming a referee all while digging in to get a screwdriver out of his pocket um, yeah, that's the only problem I feel like sometimes with AWs we talked about before is that they make their uh they make their referees look very dumb. Yeah, they kind of do. They really do. Um, oh man. Yeah. Uh clean it up. <laughs> clean it up officials. Please, yeah. but why would they do that? Oh man. <laughs> yeah. Um all right. So, besides the terrible officiating, um <laughs> Jack thinks the Jungle Boy turn is good timing for him to get back the momentum he lost after beating Christian. Um, he could be the guy to give Hook his first loss, which would be big for Jungle Boy, and allow Hook more freedom in his stories going forward. I would uh, I would agree, kind of like what we talked about earlier. This is definitely going to be a sink or swim kind of moment for Jungle Boy, because I know a lot of people are worried about his promos. Um, but hopefully, if you have a I-don't-really-give-a-shit attitude, that can translate to the promos. So, Yeah, come out you know, rocking a leather vest, chewing some gum like an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cut the ponytail, yeah. like cut the hair, like yeah. yeah, just like have them boo you. Yeah. Just stand stand in the ring for two minutes, don't say anything, soak in the booze. Yeah. And just be like, hey, I don't give a shit. Yeah, screw you guys and then leave. <laughs> and then leave. And then and that would definitely Nobody's going to look at that and go, that was cool. Everybody's going to look at it and go, that guy's an asshole. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> which is what they want. Yeah, so uh, this is going to be great for both of them. Like I said, the the caveat is we're going to see two young guns um, who have only known the AEW system uh, showcase their skills. And like you said, it's sink or swim. Um, so we're going to see where it comes. I think it's going to be a compelling storyline. This is actually going to make Jungle Boy very interesting. Um, Hook's always been interesting. He's always had that charisma, that, yeah. that swagger about him. That you, he's a, he's a young kid, 
And I'm like, damn, if I was his age, I wish I was that cool. You oh know, uh, even even like even like half that cool would probably have gotten me some ladies. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> I feel that. You know, you know, so it's just like he doesn't need to do much. You know, he just got to just be hooked. And, and it's going to be a great match. These are two really good wrestlers. And I think I remember when we first saw Hook, Hook was always a running joke on this show. Yeah. Until he, until he got into the ring. And then we're like, God damn it, he's actually a thing now. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, the joke stopped. You know? Because yeah. like, this dude, this kid is the real deal. Um, But if you really want to get Jungle Boy over, have him cheat to get that first yeah. win over Hook. You know? Yeah, because he might cheat. have to. Yeah. Have him cheat or have him attack Taz Ooh. during the match. Oh, that would be something else, wouldn't it? You know, where Ooh. that is the ultimate thing to break a, a focused hook who's always focused, mm-hmm. who's always got his head in the game. Get the emotions. You his, yeah, you attack his father and that breaks. And then you know? everything goes out the window. Yeah, and then that'll just be like, that'll just catapult Jungle Boy into being the biggest jerk off, even more so than MJF to a point. <laughs> and that's saying something. Yeah, for real. I definitely, I definitely agree with that one. That would be the way I would do it. Um, alrighty, so it is time for the annual Eddie Kingston wins the title Grand Slam talks. I think <laughs> Jack thinks it would be a neat story between MJF and him fighting for the soul of New York City as well as the title, or he could be Claudio there for the Ring of Honor belt, finally defeating that demon. What do we think? I would like that. I think the Claudio one would be a little more realistic than the MJF one right now, but yeah, that would be something, wouldn't it? It would be. I mean... The reaction. Like I said earlier, Eddie Kingston is a man of the people. He's this generation's Dusty Rhodes. Yeah. Yeah, that's you know, not even an exaggeration. That's the truth. It just look at the parallels. You, he speaks. You listen. Yeah. He speaks, you believe. He speaks and you say, that guy doesn't look like a professional wrestler of 2023 where everybody's fit, in shape, doing CrossFit. They got eight-pack abs. Eddie Kingston's the complete opposite. Yeah. But damn it, he's one of the most believable wrestlers on this planet. And he's been so for a very long time. He deserves his just do um yeah i had seen someone say something on twitter where you give eddie the belt for a sentimental pop but have mjf win it back like a couple days later no don't do that to eddie damn (laughs) that that kind of that maybe castrates him yeah maybe don't do that but maybe that lights, I, cause like, like, and I hate to bring him up, but Chris Jericho yeah. said about Eddie Kingston, Eddie Kingston doesn't believe how good he is. Yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't get it to him. It's not clicking that he's as good as everybody else says. Everybody else says he's one of the best on the planet and he doesn't believe it. Yeah. You know, he just has that that demon of, of self-doubt. Mm-hmm. So maybe give him Claudio. But the thing is like, 
as much as I love Ring of Honor and I think their product has gotten better since Tony took it over, it's just not on that level. Like to be like, he's a champion, you know? Yeah. Maybe like the TNT championship, you know? Yeah, maybe. Give him something. Because the banter between him and Christian. Cool. Uh, That would be be something else. Top notch. You know, and you want like, to talk about personal? There you go, right there. Yeah, and like Luchasaurus is okay in my book. Yeah, he's there. You could you, you could probably get a competent match out of it. I just think the build up will have people anticipating it, and then Eddie holding a title um, would just be such a positive thing because he's so much beloved mm-hmm. in, in, in the wrestling industry by both his peers and the fans. You know, I constantly. Cause, cause Facebook, as crazy as it is, yeah. where these wrestling fans just come up with the craziest fucking ideas that won't work. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a good gauge for the casual fans. So a lot of the casual fans, they're just being introduced to Eddie Kingston through AEW. They hadn't seen any of his work before. They've only seen what's been going on in AEW. And as casual fans, they're like. We love this guy because he's just so real. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. he's just, there's no gimmick. There's no gimmick, no character, nothing. He is just a dude. Yeah, just Eddie. He's just a dude. He's basically ECW Sandman. Just a dude. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing else besides that. But he's so compelling. He tugs on your heartstrings. You root for him. He's believable. He's just the greatest. He's he's the greatest. So I want him with a belt. I want him with all the belts. <laughs> I want him on my TV every week cutting 20-minute promos about people that he hates, like Claudio Castagnoli. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and Chris Hero and all that stuff. Oh, it's just Eddie Kingston's a treasure. So good. We love Eddie. We love it. Uh, who what is who do we think is the best wrestler turn actor jack says the first ones that come to mind for him are batista and piper those are good ones um yeah. i feel like you have to throw the rock in there too just because have, his body of work in terms of acting is, is so extensive yeah you know i think before the rock became the quintessential action star hero where his, all of his movies follow a similar template yeah you know when he was doing movies like walking tall mm-hmm. you know uh the other guys uh stuff like that uh w- there was i think it was be cool which which is one of his first movies obviously the uh scorpion king and stuff like that yeah when he was doing that stuff you're like okay this guy you know is a, is a pretty good actor he fits in i just feel like his movies kind of now all of a sudden they're kind of cash grabs that follow a similar action format yeah um I like Batista because Batista in his movies that he's done so far, you see he's willing to take risk uh, with uh, different characters. Yeah. Uh, it's not always an action hero. Obviously, he's known mostly for playing Drax and Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, but he he definitely shows some acting range. And so does John Cena. John Cena shows acting range. I think uh, I f- for what there was a movie... He was with uh, Amy Schumer. Oh, yeah, that yeah. Movie, um, that, yeah. That movie was hilarious. There was another movie that was sort of like a, like almost like a teen comedy movie where he was the father yeah. of, a, of a girl that made a pact to 
to lose uh, their virginity yeah. by the time they graduate or something like that. And he was hilarious in that movie. So like, and then you look at his work as like Peacemaker. Uh, yeah, that know, oh, that's such a good movie. You know, and yeah, you know, he was great in that movie. The show was fantastic. So I'm hoping they bring back the show for a second season. So John Cena definitely has the acting range. I think people um, in Hollywood now they they see the acting value in what people do in wwe and AEW to a certain extent too um that they see that these these wrestlers you know air quotes they can they can act they can they can morph into a character when need be yeah but those are good piper's a, a solid choice they live obviously a classic um you know and you know he's great I would definitely go with the more modern people. The 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 Rock has got to be up there, Batista, and definitely John Cena for their their ranges and, and what they've done in Hollywood so far. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that one. Alrighty, uh, who do we think is the best wrestler not currently in WWE, AEW, or New Japan? Mm, so basically, like on the on the independents. I'd say so. I think the first one that comes to my mind would be Nick Aldis for sure. Nicole, this is a good kind one. Of the fact um, that he hasn't been picked up by anybody, any of those three, is kind of a crazy. But yeah, it's crazy because I remember when he was in TNA, and I'm like, this guy—he doesn't look it, but he's a young guy, yeah. you know. And like, he could be someone you could strap a title to, and he kind of makes it believable. So Nicole, this is definitely one. Um, if we're looking at at Impact as not being one of the big ones. Uh, speedball Mike Bailey, yeah, um, it has been on an absolute tear. Uh, just when it comes to uh his indie dates and what he's doing on the independent scene, um, there's there's tons of great independent wrestlers that are realizing how to market themselves. Yeah, online. Um, there's a great crop. I um. You know, we talked about Nick Wayne and, and Billy Starks. There's uh, Darius Carter is another name on the independence that uh, pops up because he is sort of like he's sort of like MJF in his cockiness, but he doesn't have to do the low hanging fruit to get over as a heel. Yeah, um, he's very good. Um, tons of great uh, female talent on the independence. Uh, just crazy uh, amount of female talent. There's so much to name. Um, damn, I can't even, I didn't even know this question was coming. I would, I would have had <laughs> a, a better, a better answer of who to check out on the independence, but like definitely as much of a cesspool as it can be, Twitter is a great tool to at least introduce you to things you haven't seen before when it comes to wrestling. Yeah. You just have to know where to seek it out. Um, definitely check out what, uh, GCW is doing. GCW has morphed into, you know, first they were known as the Deathmatch Company. Yeah. Um, you know, to kind of be the offshoot of CZW. Now they've morphed into a company for every sort of wrestling style that you enjoy, whether it be uh, wrestling, you know, tag team wrestling, like Jordan Oliver and Nick Wayne. Mm -hmm. um, Effie is a, a great yeah. character. Effie is someone, when you talk about marketing yourself just by social media and the word of mouth, Effie's value 
is astronomical oh, yeah. uh, when, yeah. it com- when it comes to uh, independent talent. Same with Matt Cardona, the former Zack Ryder. Um, it's making waves that he just comes into like GCW and whoever he's working with in GCW, he's helping them make a ton of money, <laughs> you know? So gone are the days where independent promotions are giving wrestlers, you know, $25 and a hot dog. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And on and only wrestling in front of thirty to fifty people. No, independent wrestling is is back up. It was it came at a downtime um where when like PWG moved away from Reseda and things like that, and AEW obviously came about, which kind of scooped up all the top tier independent talent. Um, but now they're on the up where you see these young kids like these Billy Starks, these Nick Waynes. Uh, the Jordan Olivers, uh, the Mike Baileys who become like veterans and other veterans like uh, Effie and Matt Cardona. Independent wrestling is definitely on the up and uh, definitely try to seek it out. Um, We even have here in Jersey coming to Asbury Park, Malachi Black is going to be wrestling, uh, prestige wrestling against another top tier independent talent who just took on Roderick Strong in Roderick Strong's return to the Indies and Kevin Blackwood. Uh, so, yeah, the, the Indies, man, there is chocked full of of talent that is just waiting to get picked up by most likely AEW because they're willing to take the risk on on the independent talent more than WWE. Uh, WWE is probably looking for more established talent, but uh, it, it's good to see independent wrestling thriving. Yeah, I, I completely agree, because I feel like when wrestling's good as a whole, everybody wins. It's not just, again, the whole territorial, you have to be on this side or that side, which, again, I right. don't like. But, um, yeah, there's just so many that we can't name. So, like, we always uh, we always like to say, Google's your friend. Look it up. Yes, definitely use the Google. I agree with that. Alrighty, so Jack's last question is one of our kind of favorite ones. What is our all-time favorite wrestling stage? wrestling stage i know it's i feel like i feel like if you gotta just go iconic i think overall i think the first one that comes to mind is the uh the fist the smackdown fist like stage smackdown fist um i'd say most recent i think just again more because it was in it's just more present in my memory is uh this year's wrestlemania stage that and, was going to be my pick as well. Of course, because I think it's just the little detail of giving literally every single superstar like their own wrestling poster that was just cycling through the whole time is so cool because I just like could see in the back. I'm like, oh, hey, there's one of my favorites. Oh, hey, there's one of my other favorites. So it's just like, I just like those little details like that. So uh, I'd say those two for sure for me. Yeah, I like I like the grandiose looking stages so that most of the time you only get those for like WrestleMania, but you're starting to see them on the bigger stages for like their international um, pay-per-views and things like that. Uh, I I go back to like the classics Um, when they would change it up. They always had like a color scheme for like the early Royal Rumbles and Survivor Series. Um, I go back to like the the older King of the Rings where they had the, the door that would kind of, it was opened up and famously in in wrestling lore, there's the picture of a young Matt and Jeff Hardy being the door attendants to the King of the Ring. Um, So I thought that that was pretty cool to have that. Um, It's 
crazy because they used to go all out for these stages and they kind of realize <laughs> this is bleeding cash out of our yeah. out of our revenue some money you know yeah some money and then like there's other buildings like i remember madison square garden didn't have a stage set up you know yeah. it was just like come come out of this entrance which was kind of cool because it um it like brought the fans closer and made it more intimate, you know? Yeah. Uh, and that was a, a reason why like the ECW one night stand stage setup and the ECW stage setup in itself where they would come out and it was like a chain link fence and yeah. it was all dingy and everything like that. Those are pretty cool in my eyes. Those kind of, those kind of stick out for me. Yeah. Those are some good ones too. I would definitely, those are some iconic stages. Yeah. So I, again, we love those kind of questions because it's not always like yeah. wrestler related. So we like that. Mm-hmm. All right. So those are all of Jack. So thank you as always. We always appreciate it. Thank you, Jack. Let's go on to mom's questions, which um, the first two are fun and then not so fun for me, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, her first question is, what was our favorite match from Forbidden Door? I think it's very self-explanatory. It was Kenny and Osprey, which... God help her when she watches that. She's going to have a great and bad time uh, at the same time. That was a wrestling match. That was a wrestling match. That was a fight. (laughs) It was definitely a fight. Um, So yeah, that one was pretty self-explanatory. My personal hell is the next question is who wins the um, Owen Hart women's tournament match between Britt and Ruby? Because they love to just make me want to (laughs) die. All right. Just when I saw this bracket at first glance, I had a very terrible feeling. Because first off, you take literally the finals of last year's tournament and make it the first uh, first round match. It's like, fine, whatever. Because, um, you know, it couldn't torture me enough as it was. <sighs> I said to mom, depending on who wins between Anna J and Sky Blue, which was kind of a self-explanatory match in of itself, mm-hmm. kind of answered for me who was going to win this one. And um, just by storyline alone, I almost don't want to say it. I, I don't want to say it, but it's just what's going to happen. I feel like it's got to be, it's going to be Ruby, I think. Yeah. Just yeah, with the I way it's been going with the outcasts and literally everybody else, because apparently, apparently we forgot that Britain, I mean, it seemed like once Jamie left, they kind of forgot that her and Britain, them refuting. So it's like, okay, whatever. Um, but just with the way they've been going at Sky and Willow and them lately, it's you kind of have to think it's going to be Sky and Ruby in the semis. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is why. Yeah, po- this is why I'm going to go on a very small rant because we still have like eight more questions. This is why I hate those people that complain and compare Brit to Charlotte. Because if mm. you go back and look at Brit's cage match, like database she loses so many matches i do not want to hear that she always wins that's a load of shit and anybody who says that is just like you clearly haven't been watching wrestling enough because brit loses a lot even if they're in tag matches she loses a lot i mean if if she was deserving of that that title where she she wins too much Jamie Hader would have never had her championship ring. Exactly. Britt should have, would have still been the champion by now. So would have still been the champion. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't want to hear it. So yeah, I don't, I don't think that 
that deserves merit. No, <laughs> yeah, I think that's just showing yeah, you're I, just one of those fans. If you make that easy, yeah. low hanging kind of comparison, it's just like, yeah, okay, sure, gotta, whatever. But it you got you got to look at the facts here. Like, yeah, the numbers don't add up. Just say you don't you like do Brit. Just say it. Just say you don't like Brit, and that's <laughs> it. Like, whatever. But um. <laughs> <sighs> but yeah, sadly, I think Ruby's gonna win just for storyline's sake. But it should still be a good match. I hope. I will. Yeah. I will be cheering. It's. I'll be that um meme that you always see of just like the. I don't care who wins as long as they both have fun. I don't care who wins because <laughs> I love them both. But I think it's gonna be Ruby. Yeah, I'm going with Ruby myself. <sighs> now that we've ripped that bandaid off, we'll move on. Um. Are we excited for Money in the Bank? First off, obviously, yes, we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. What swerves do we think is going to happen? Um, oh God, <laughs> there's some uh, that could happen. I don't want them to happen. Um, we we couldn't predict a swerve in the in the Civil War against the Bloodline, but we know one's got to be coming. Yeah, to extend the storyline. If there are going to be any swerves, there might be the one with Bailey and Eel that you mentioned. Yeah, maybe yeah. Damage Control ends up on. Many in the bank, maybe not even after Eo wins. Yeah, that one and uh, Dominic beating Cody. Oh yeah, would be the way I the way I laid it out. I'm not not to toot my own horn. Yeah, you know, it's not, it's not like I I, I did some <laughs> speak on it. You know, expansive booking here. It's just if you want to get a, a drastic reaction out of the audience. Yeah, you know give give the reward to the most hated person in the company mm-hmm. against the most well-liked person in terms of fan popularity you know yeah. uh, that place would just lose its its freaking mind yeah you know? they would and it would be fun to watch yeah so yeah i think those would be some pretty decent swerves i'm not gonna we're not gonna talk about the one swerve that could happen in one of the money in the bank matches because i don't want it mm-hmm. to actually be a reality um <laughs> so um so moving on from that one uh moss says poor hook uh dan Housen must be cursing a certain boy yeah i think dan Housen's cursing jungle boy right now um or, or as he like he calls him Jang- jangle boy jack jerry yes <laughs> I, how can you not love dan Housen? i swear i miss him i miss him so much <laughs> and then and then, and, and then jungle boy on twitter tells dan Housen, fuck you and yeah. the dan Housen thing dan Housen comes back and he goes did you win? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, oh, no swearing either. Like, goddamn. <laughs> but his only retort is, did you win? Yeah, and it's like, you can't argue with that one because he didn't. Oh, so. my God. Oh, just fantastic. Yeah, that was oh, that was something else. It's going to be something. I mean, obviously, oh, we missed Dynamite, but we'll have to go back and see what uh, jungle boy has to say for himself but sure it's very interesting <laughs> god all right so those are all of mom's questions and comments so mom thank you as always thank you mom and we now move on to our last six questions of the night that come from mike and his first one is a rather interesting one i feel like we may have talked about this before i can't remember if it was you and me or my mom and i but uh what are our thoughts on the rough treatment that dana brooke got from the nxt crowd a little bit ago i feel like we talked about this uh we i think we did i don't think we talked about it on the show i think we talked about it pre-production um but i was able it was one of the ones where we weren't recording on tuesday so i was able to watch nxt and to me two things first the the segment 
as kind of convoluted as it was with the with Dana Brooke uh, go, putting the knee brace on, taking the knee brace off, getting on the gurney, putting on the briefcase. It was a long segment. Yeah. Um, but Cora Jade was fucking phenomenal. She was just there egging Being on. Being a shit. Being a little shit turd, just fucking uh-huh. egging her and egging her. And she was doing it in such a fantastic, believable way that you were like, this little shit. Like, and she was causing Dana to have a fit. A yeah. fit. She was losing her mind on that gurney. Um, but the other point that I tried to make is I I feel really bad for Dana Brooke. Yeah. Because this girl is trying. It's just not working. It's it's not it's it's they can find something. They can find some sort of middle ground. Whether it's uh, I saw somebody said that she could reunite with Emma and yeah. form that tag team that they had in NXT. Need that, we need tag teams, so we do need tag teams, um, which will give them both something to do. I I feel bad because Dana Brooke works her ass off. Yeah, she's it, not it, bad in the ring at all. She's not. She's definitely improved from when she first got into the WWE. She's definitely improved. It's just you have to put her out there with some regularity. Yeah. You know? And not always on um, a stupid comedy act either. Yeah, you can't do the comedy act, and you can't put her up against someone like Cora Jade, who's massively over with the audience. Yeah, you can't put her in the ring because she—they're gonna—they're gonna do exactly what they did on NXT, oh, and they're gonna turn on her. Not good. You put her—you put her in the ring with J.C. Jane. Yeah. You know. Yeah. J.C. Jane, or 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 one of the one of one of the up and comers, uh, like uh. Uh, Valentina for us or something like that or 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 uh, it's just they didn't do her any favors putting her in the ring with someone who's uh, even though she's supposed to be hated she's she's well over yeah with with the fans so she didn't do her favors and then Cora kind of just outclassed her in terms of getting that moment over where Dana her her knee because to that point I was actually enjoying the match. Yeah. And, and and the leg thing made a lot of sense. I knew it was coming because when she went for that cartwheel, she couldn't plant. So I knew she was going to buckle. Yeah. Um. Then they did the, the segment with the gurney. Again, went a little bit long, but it was fantastic to see Cora Jade just, oh, my God. Like, she was in, like, it was, and, and. Part of it was Dana being so agitated and so over the top. She was like screaming at her, like "Get out of my face!" Yeah, it was. It was. It was a pretty good segment. Um, I, again, I just, I just feel bad for Dana. I think I, it was I, just she was not the right woman for the job. She's not like she's, and they're putting her in positions where the, you could see they're 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 fucking trying to get her over in some way. Yeah, it did. It was the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah, like she fits in NXT, but not Cora Jade. <laughs> yeah, no, you're not gonna. No, that's not gonna no. happen. So, uh, what was the what the Kiana James, uh, yeah. chick or Tatum Paxley? Somebody, you know, Lash Legend. <laughs> Anybody? Oh man, just they, not they one of your up. more popular women yeah, in there. Maybe don't do that. For, yeah, you set her up for failure. Yeah, absolutely. 
who should Grayson Waller's first feud be with? Oh, someone like uh, like a Shinsuke. Shinsuke Nakamura would be good. Yeah. Oh, no, he's on Raw. He's on Raw, so that can't happen. Well, I mean, the draft doesn't exist, so it could happen. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the draft doesn't exist. Uh, Shinsuke would be great. Um, Dolph Ziggler would be good. Yeah, yeah. You know, because, like, uh, Grayson Waller is definitely, like, it's crazy to say, but he's this generation's Dolph Ziggler as, as if Dolph Ziggler is, like, a generation behind. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, Cody would be good, but it might be a step down. Um, just somebody he can he can banter with. I think L.A. Knight. It, L.A. Knight, but 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 you don't want to put L.A. Knight in the predicament where he has to he has to get sympathy from the fans. Yeah, you know, or just I mean, um, hell, it might not even just let them both just jaw at each other. Like, yeah, yeah, that that. You know that'd be that'd be good. Uh, Cameron Grimes, you know, yeah. to have that sort of young gun sort of feel to the show. Um, I the, th- the thing is, I didn't even know that Grayson Waller broke his leg in his last match in NXT. Yeah, so I he was, did. I was like, I was like everybody else. Like, why isn't this guy wrestling? Like, yeah, you know, like he should be in the ring. He's pretty good in the ring. He takes risk. Uh, he he's a showman. You know, he he gets the people on 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 he gets on their bad side he's got that punchable face that <laughs> a lot of heels have yeah you know so you want to put him in you want to have that heel baby face dynamic to have him work off that um something like a like a johnny gargano a ricochet um just just something where he could chop it up throw some insults at a baby face you know and, and be his cocky usual self it'll work i think he he i think from the small glimpses that we saw in NXT, um, and especially when you put him on a bigger stage, uh, he definitely shines bright. So he's going to be a pretty good asset uh, to WWE on the main roster. So I, I can't wait to see what they do with him when he's fully healed. Yeah, I completely agree. Those are some good choices. Um, name a wrestler or wrestlers that we were surprised never made it to the big time, like WWE, AEW, even WCW. Because Mike's was somebody that I already mentioned, so he took my answer, was uh, Nick Aldis. Nick Aldis is one, definitely, um, for sure. Uh, huh. I was always fascinated by the fact that when WWE did the Cruiserweight Classic, they weren't able to reel in uh Kota Bushi or Zack Sabre Jr. Yeah. Yeah. Um Ugh. I think those two on a big stage. Um Kota might have been a little bit difficult. I'm not saying he's difficult to work with, but he's a different be- breed of character. Yeah. And he he's not afraid to shoot down stuff that doesn't work for him. Um but Zack Sabre Jr. would have been phenomenal. Um but obviously he's doing stuff in Japan. Uh, the fact that Chris Hero never made it to the main roster was only kind of meddling in yeah. NXT uh, kind of stinks. Um, who else? Who else? Mm. I'm trying to think. 
Yeah, I know it's I tough. Think, I think with with AEW and the way they operate, they they scooped up everybody that wasn't being utilized by WWE or just wasn't even on WWE's radar, which is in a way it's a good thing because everybody gets a job, everybody's working, everybody's feeding their families. So as a fan, that's a good thing. Um, so it's hard to say. I think like the question uh, that we had before where we were able to mention a lot of independent talent. Um, and so I'll just reiterate, independent wrestling is in a good spot where there's a ton of ripe talent just waiting to get picked up and given that sort of glossy shine from uh, a big television product like WWE or AEW. Um, so wrestling as a whole altogether is on the up because you have the crop of independent talent that's just waiting to get plucked. Uh, WWE product is hot. Uh, AEW, like I said earlier, I, I think I, I don't know if I said this on air, but I know I mentioned it to you in the in the in the pre-production meeting. Um, the thing about Tony Khan is Double or Nothing wasn't a great show. Yeah. The lead up to it wasn't so great, but Tony Khan is learning how to pivot and uh, hit back and right the ship when it's not, you know, taken well by the critics, you know? So yeah. you know, the product for AEW, you, I graded on a little bit of a curve on a little bit of bias because they're only four years old. Yeah. But the fact that they're scooping up as many talent as they can, not only for AEW, but for ring of honor as well. It, it's a, it's a, it's a good thing. So it, it's tough to really point out who is deserving of a shot to be at the big time because everywhere you look on the board when it comes to wrestling, it's uh, positive and everybody's making money. So who who wouldn't want to leave their positions? Exactly. I completely agree. All right. With that, I will be right back. So give me a hot minute. Okay. Uh, just to let everybody know before, because the show is kind of running a little bit longer than usual. Like we said, it's a beefy episode. Um, you know, so we're just going to knock it out of the park and say where you can get this podcast. It's available all across the board on the internet, uh, Spotify, Google, Apple podcast, basically whatever platform you use to search for the ringside rundown podcast, hit that subscribe button. Thank you for subscribing. If you can't find it, just follow us on social media at ringside rundown, hit us up in the DM, say, Hey, I need a link to the podcast and uh, we'll send you a link for whatever platform you choose to use, or we'll send it to you directly to our RSS feed. So that's basically how that works. Like I said, follow us on Twitter at Ringside Rundown. Uh, also follow us on Instagram uh, at Ringside Rundown. It's the same handle. So if you like some wrestling content in your Instagram feed, uh, that's available that way. Like we said, this show, we went over Forbidden Door and uh, predictions for Money in the Bank. And we had some pretty cool questions, so we're going to take a little bit break, and we'll be right back. All right, we're back, and uh, let's get right into our next question. All right, we only got two more, so we'll or actually three more, so we'll see. With the size of AEW's roster, are we a little surprised the Owen Hart tournament on the men's side is only eight wrestlers, or both sides, honestly, are only eight wrestlers involved uh, for only the men's side and Mike's uh, question in his case, because he said since the women's roster is so small, it makes sense for it being eight, so... Are we surprised for the men's side that it's only eight wrestlers? 
uh, I was very surprised. I mean, yeah, this chance to get as many people uh, from your roster some TV time. Who's why does this have to be? I don't know how long this tournament's running. Like what a, a month or so? It um, seems like it. Yeah, and they've done big tournaments before. Yeah, like this could be this could be a, a, a longer standing tournament to solidify your company as being the best place. If you want some competition, uh, yeah. you know, it's like you got eight guys, but I mean, like, there's so many you could you could you could have put Hook in there, you could have put Darby in there, you could have put Sammy Guevara in there, Jungle Boy in there, you could have put uh, MJF in there, uh, Adam Cole, but they they're doing the blind tag eliminator tournament, whatever the hell. I don't even think. Did they even announce it or just say that it's happening? And then yeah. all of a sudden we're making some teams like this is crazy. <laughs> but yeah, I agree. They could have at least doubled it to 16 uh, for both the men and the women. Um, they could have doubled it at least to make it a little bit more compelling and to show that, hey, we're the place uh, for competition in this game of uh, pro wrestling. Yeah, I agree. It's it's just weird because, like I said, they've done bigger tournaments before. I mean, hell, even with the women. Granted, they were using, like, Japanese, like, Joshi wrestlers, too. But still, it's like, you guys have done massive tournaments before. Now, all of a sudden, you want to scale down? Yeah, like, okay. what a, where, why isn't why isn't Sheeta being used? Riho? Yeah. Um, Sakazaki, like. Yeah. <sighs> who knows? Sometimes they make decisions that make me scratch my head, but. <laughs> um. All right, this is a fun one. Do we think Finn is going to split the crowd at Money in the Bank since he is from Ireland? Hmm. I think he might get a little bit of a hometown reaction, maybe, but he he might get some love uh, from the crowd, um, just from being Irish, and you know, obviously, I'm pretty sure there's a big contingent of Irish fans that are going to be making their way to London. I would think uh, for the show. Um, but I think he he's so good at what he's doing right now, and and the Judgment Day as a whole is so good at what they do. Um, that like he the way he carries himself with that braggadocious sort of swagger, yeah, you know, a, a, as the, as the prince, yep, you know, I think that's that's in a way getting it, that'll get him over anywhere where he's like, here comes. Finn Balor, you know, he's cocky, he's arrogant, he looks down on people now, and he's bitter. You know, he is bitter. He, he does have a chip on his shoulder. Yeah. Um. So I think fans recognize that, so they don't want to kind of let's let's throw a, a a chink in the armor and let's cheer him because we think he's cool. I think I think the reactions that he's getting is probably going to be more universal. Uh, and especially against Seth Rollins, yeah, I think that when 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 Seth Rollins' music hits and they start doing the, the sing along, uh huh, it's gonna be a, another world. It's gonna be massive. You know, it, yeah, it's gonna drown out whatever crowd support uh, Finn Balor is gonna have. That's for sure. Yeah. Um. So I I think it's just the right dynamic. Yeah, I I would agree. I feel like he may get a couple here and there, but once Seth gets there, it's like it's gonna be like Finn who. Yeah. Yeah. Alrighty, and Matt and Mike's last question is uh, it's technically a two-parter. It's a comment and a prediction, technically. Uh, first, okay. they have to make Dominic try to speak in London. The European fans will drown him out worse than he gets uh, in the United States, which I wouldn't doubt it. 
he'll get some weird chant too they'll give him like a <laughs> some type of chant because that's just how that works there um so i would yeah i would like to see him try to talk just to let him see how long it takes him to boo him but who knows um mm-hmm. and secondly mike predicts drew mcintyre is going to come back at the end of the seth and finn match to kick seth's head off and set up his return okay I wouldn't be opposed to that. That'd be pretty cool. Drew's good as a heel too, so I'd be, I'd be all right with that. Yeah, I think, uh, I think he can definitely, as a heel, sort of utilize the fact that he's a, a in terms of size and stature, he's a big dude. Yeah. So I would see more aggressiveness, more ferocity, um, and just everything that he does, especially as a heel. Um, he doesn't have to Drew McIntyre as a face sort of panders a little bit. A little bit, yeah. To the yeah, to the crowd to kind of get a reaction out of him. Uh I think uh, as a heel, you don't have to do that. You the job is to get uh the fans to mostly hate you. Um so I think the fact that he can come off as an unstoppable monster because of his size is going to do him favors and Seth Rollins is a, is a good place to start. Yeah. I would I would agree. It's just he's just more natural as a heel. It's just yeah. it would just make more sense, I think. But um yeah. Yeah. I I wouldn't be opposed to seeing that just cuz I think obviously the show's better when he's on there as opposed to when he isn't cuz Drew just brings that very good in-ring talent, too. Aside from, like, oh, is he going to be a heel? Is he going to be a face? Whatever. He's good in the ring, so you always could use that extra little talent in there. But, um, yeah, I would just like for him to be back. Um, I think that'd be a bit of a shock, too. I don't think anybody would be expecting it, so. Yeah, I don't think people... There's, like, rumblings that he's going to be on his way back, but I don't think people expect him to possibly show up at Money in the Bank, so when he does... Um, Somebody had a question about what, like, swerves we might see, so that'd be a good one. Yeah. Uh, for sure. Um, coming up. Yeah, so I would be down for it. Yeah, for sure. So now we'll see if Mike can uh, predict the future. <laughs> and speaking of that, that is, I believe, all the questions. So, Mike, thank you for yours as always. Thanks, Mike. And we did the thing. We finished all the questions. We did it. All right. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, an epic mailbag segment. Uh, Like I said, we were able to go over Forbidden Door, give you some predictions for Money in the Bank. So if you like long episodes where you can kind of sink your teeth in uh, with the wrestling banter that we have, you're going to enjoy this one. So, uh, again, if you got into this point, thank you very much for checking it out. Uh, Like I said earlier, you can check us out on Twitter and Instagram at the same handle, at Ringside Rundown. So if you uh, want some... Uh, wrestling pictures in your Instagram feed, or you want to keep up to date with the show, please check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Ringside Rundown. If you'd like to communicate with me about anything wrestling, you can follow me on Twitter at Wrestling Cron. That's Wrestling C H R O N. Uh, where can they get in touch with you, Shay? You can find me on Twitter at Shailene Hickson21. And uh, yeah, you can see uh, my Twitter's a fun time. So <laughs> give it a check and check it out if you like. Yeah, for sure. We're always available to chat wrestling or if you want to chat about something about the show uh on that ringside rundown feed every week i post up a tweet 
asking you guys to send in some questions for us. And you guys always come through with the good questions, making the show possible to do it in this format and to have fun with the show because uh, that's what the show is about, having fun. I just want to thank you, Shay, for uh, doing the show with me, especially today. Um, I had some tragic news happen about an hour before we started uh, the show. Sadly, I lost a family member, uh, so I didn't know if I was going to be able to do the show, but I know, like we said earlier, the people liked what we do, and they liked the content that we put out, so I felt like I had an obligation to, you know, make the show go forward. Obviously, Forbidden Door was a big thing, so we got to talk about that and Money in the Bank, but then, like I said, you know, I just want to thank you for powering through the show and making this a big chunky episode of course it's always it's always something to look forward to every week uh even if aside from any of that kind of stuff if i'm just not like feeling it i'm just like you know what i just don't want to do anything today i'm like now we got to get the podcast done because it always takes my mind off of things so yeah it's always a good time and we're almost to we're almost to 100 we're almost there almost there that's crazy that's <laughs> awesome Think about it. if you think about it like a hundred episodes and the amount of uh, hours each episode is, the amount of content and conversation. You know, you, you'd like to say your mom likes to go back and listen to old episodes, <laughs> yeah, which, which is crazy. But like, maybe I gotta go back and find the first one and uh, listen to see how much we've progressed. Oh God, it's almost like if we want to torture ourselves by doing that, we can. <laughs> we can, but oh boy. Uh, yeah so again guys like i said earlier make sure you hit the subscribe button on whatever podcast platform uh you use to listen to the show if you don't have it on your platform of choice don't worry just hit us up send us a dm i will send you a direct link to the podcast through anchor so that way you can listen to it you can subscribe to it and make sure that you never miss an episode we come out with episodes weekly and we are fast approaching our 100th episode pretty soon we're going to give the details about what we plan to do with that and uh have some fun with that yeah uh but but uh i guess there's nothing else for us to go over we went over everything we got the questions out of the way so uh might as well say good night to the people yeah we we get to head off and you get to do whatever and stay up late and i get to go to bed unfortunately <laughs> go to work and you have to go to work and support uh, uh, us us freeloaders yeah <laughs> i i try my best i i try but we, we we need we need more people like you shay oh i don't think the world could handle more of me but <laughs> <laughs> who knows uh, but uh all right so for shay hickson my name is eric vasquez we'll see you on the next one guys take care see you later guys